Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Siege in 60 podcast. It has been a long, long time since we've done some of these. Last time we had people like Jess, Leon uh, on there with me, Fresh and Omerta. Fresh obviously being one of the analysts in EUL and Omerta being the former coach of Eminem. But we're back in a new form. I'm going to run some of these. No doubt those boys will jump in. But I thought, you know what, we'll make sure there's a more fluid schedule and we can get more people involved and talk to more people. And right before the major feels like the perfect time to talk to someone that I talk to every single major without fear, it feels like like, and we catch up seemingly all the time. And I thought, you know what, now's maybe a good time to do that in public. How you been doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I am not too bad. Roasting, admittedly. I don't know the conversion from Celsius to Fahrenheit, but if it means anything to you, it's like 30 degrees here in the UK. I've got an aircon right behind me blasting it out because we don't have AC in the UK. Just doing what I can to survive at this point, it feels like. Whereas you guys have AC yeah. seemingly everywhere in the States. Yeah, we do. It's like, uh, even when it's like not hot, you, you still have AC. Now, I hate you all for it. Absolutely detest you all. <laughs> well, this feels weird because normally when we speak ahead of a major, you guys are heading there and it's good to catch up because you've done a bunch of prep. You've done a bunch of getting ready for it. And this time you guys aren't going to be there. Just to rub it in a little bit. So I figured we'd best maybe start on SSG to begin with right now. You guys obviously sure. recently announced that Skies is stepping down. We're not going to go into all the drama around that here. It's not really fair to do it, I don't think, to uh, Skies in that case. But you guys have obviously been trialing decks in the kind of interim as well. Talk to us about that. What's going on at SSG? What is it you guys are looking to achieve or change moving forwards? Um, yeah, so when the stage was done, um, we actually had one day to decide uh, that Gamers they gave us if we were going to go with um, Skies or if we were going to go a different route. And um, I had like talked to him a little bit and he felt like uh, if his like spot wasn't like a solid guarantee for stage three, that he wasn't really interested in, in going to Gamers 8 with us and we should start moving on without him. So that ended up being the case. And um, the reason why Dexter got chosen to begin with was that he actually lived at the Exet house, which if people don't know, it's literally five doors down from us. <laughs> um he had great stats obviously in cl but there's like a couple other guys i'll say like also do as well have great stats but i was able to talk to him in person and people that know me know like i really care about like your character and um you know being like a a, a genuine person good person and stuff like that so being able to talk to him and kind of see who he was kind of like it, it made like a one-day choice and having a u.s passport like or not just a u.s passport having a passport in general to be able to travel to uh to uh like an international country like that was important and he had like basically checked all the boxes we needed uh and that's why we went with him um yeah and, and then through that process we kind of like found out like kind of person he was and uh really enjoyed like teaming with him and stuff and i still think he's like got a really good chance like we we still told him like it's still a trial thing and we're still trying to figure everything out but he's kind of got like a step ahead everyone else i would say in a way because uh, he's been with the team. He's learning our callouts, learning how we like to play the game and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time for us, uh, just like through the last couple of months. And um, we're like super positive, like that we're going to be able to figure out what we want to do moving forward and, and keep going and hit stage three strong. Also, it seems to be the curse is what I joked about last week. You win an SI in the team and then it goes into a real tumultuous time, right? You guys last year struggled a little bit afterwards, TSM. Same sort of story this year. And for you guys, it's trying to really get back on the wagon and get back to that form of glory, right? Now, obviously, one or two players doesn't necessarily make or break a team in its entirety. 
But what is it in your view that's changed so much that mean SSG can't quite in the heyday as they once were maybe 18 months ago? Is it the meta? Is it the team itself? Is it something else entirely? Yeah, like like we said, we're not going to talk too much about what's been going on with SSG last couple of months, but I'll say I believe a lot of it has to do with um, overall team chemistry and uh, the ability to like trust each other and uh, have a lot of fun while playing the game. Um, and when you lack that, uh, it immediately like starts to crumble like some key important things, especially in the meta right now. Um, it, it's hard to say like we're, we've like fallen off because when we first gotten Alex uh, immediately, like we were first place and we did well at SI, uh, there's just things that happened after that that um, you could just immediately see we weren't the same team as we were before. So... Uh, who is Alex? Yeah, I need to do a good job of saying Skies. Sorry. Um, no, it, it, yeah, it's but, Alex because you guys are cool. You're good friends and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think like once you start to um, like lose a, a part, like an edge as far as like uh, camaraderie goes, right now in the meta, it's really hard to like secure yourself consistent wins. Hmm. And let's go on to talking a bit about like DZ a great example, right? Like won the major, not making it to this major. I know the kind of it's a joke about the whole curse thing in terms of you guys, TSM, DZ. But from what you saw on the stage, for example, why do you think it is they haven't made it back to the major this time around? I think uh, you're like gonna you're bringing up good points to just help me nail my point down. <laughs> if you go back and if you go back and look when DZ was losing games at the beginning of the the stage you could see in troy's tweets he was upset about how the team as a whole was playing together like whether i'm not gonna like try to like put words in troy's mouth or assume like what he what it was but it kind of seemed like they won people were happy and they weren't like putting in as much time as they were beforehand you know and like that like upsets certain people and then like it it like it starts to dissolve your like teams like trust in each other and when that happens, when teams are as good as they are, especially like NAL was so close because all the teams are, I feel like, are really good right now. There's like a solid eight teams, maybe nine teams. And like when that happens, you can't just like not play 100 mm. percent. And you could you could see that in Troy's tweets that he was like, we're not playing like how we were. You know, we need to be better. And then after a couple of those tweets, they started playing better. They just couldn't make up the points they needed. Yeah, so, it's too little too uh, late, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those that you look at and it was a I think it was a prep phase podcast. So over in EUL we have something called the Prep Phase podcast that we do like most Tuesdays. And there was an episode where Ace of Pyrite or Tim, um, Crying and Fabian were all on it together. And those two especially obviously haven't been on G two together. Now Crying's on Rogue, all the rest of it. They were essentially saying mentality is literally everything in this game. And it sounds like what you're saying there is you're seeing that across yourselves, across DZ, multiple other teams that don't maybe hold up to the kind of caliber that they previously were at, right? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's other teams. I think that's why TSM is going through th some things. Uh, I want to be careful like what I say, because keep in mind, like I'm saying guess, this. With, right? Yeah, I'm, keep, I'm, I'm saying this without knowing the whole story. So like... I, there's going to be a Reddit thing anyway saying like I'm saying this and that but like yeah TSM I feel like there has been some of those issues like after they won and then I mean like clearly something's going on because Chala left mm -hmm. and then um, and I think Sonics did go through that too as well um, but like Sonics I think did a good job of finding their stride in, in stage two when 
you know, TSM and, and ourselves still haven't. It was really mad. Like even over here in Europe, we were watching NA as it came towards its closing days and they were like, what, six, seven teams all still battling for the top four and no one really had any idea who was going to make it. And some were saying like, oh, it's a bit of a crazy league that it's like that close, you know, and it's like, well, that's exactly why it's such a fun league to watch is you don't know even down to the very last day who's going to be at the major, right? And probably suggest just how close it really is. Yeah, it's, it's really cool because uh, a long time, like if you've watched NAL since like year one, it's always been like, oh, these are the solid four top teams. The rest of them, they just like show up and play. Mm. And like the, since, since like I would say maybe, maybe stage three last year, you can start to see like there's a lot of competitors, maybe even just stage one this year. But like, yeah, NAL is really fun to watch right now. There's so many good teams. And it's like devastating. There's only four spots. You're telling me, right? <laughs> I think some are making calls that NA gets extra spots at a major and probably wouldn't be massively undeserved as well. Like I know what you're saying about the old four. We'd look back at yourselves, TSM, OXG, Dark Zero, the usual four suspects everyone was talking about. Whereas now teams like Xset, Astralis, for example, are really starting to punch upwards. What is it you think Sonics. that's given them... Sonics, of course. Yeah, can't forget Sonics. What do you think is it is that's given them that kind of that flair, that ability to punch up and kind of make suddenly a big splash in what felt like a very established scene? Do you think it comes down to the the young gunners they've got on their team that seem to be taking over the world by storm, or is it something else? I think it's a mix. I think there are, like, yeah, young kind of gunners that are, like, helping take over, but I think a lot of it has to do with how the meta shift, uh, like, basically favors the way that those players have always played the game. Because, like, it's it'd be nice to just say like iconic is like a young gunner he's taken over the scene well iconic was on sonics and you know they kind of like were bu a bumpy road and he then he was on astralis and they didn't do good near the end of last year mm -hmm. and now they are insane you know and like you can say like there has been a couple changes obviously coaching staff and uh picking up uh, a forest but like I do also think that the way that the game is meant to be played right now is just also like how they've always played in general. And that that's that's what helped them like basically go from just like instead of being like a good team, they're like a dominating team. Yeah, and I've got no doubt we'll come on to that a little bit later as well. I know you've got some uh, interesting takes about Attacker Reapick that we'll come on to. But before yeah. we get into Siege itself, let's talk a little bit about the Major. Now, you've had a good look through some of this as well. You've looked at the teams that are going. You've got your own thoughts on that as well. Talk to me about Group A. I'm sure everyone would is absolutely dying to hear my predictions. I'm joking. They'd much rather hear that of a professional coach. So talk to me about your side. How do you see this group going? What's your take on the four teams in there? What should we be looking forward to next week? Yeah, um, I don't know how much. I mean, I sent you like this info too, and I don't know how much we want to like dive into everything that I did. Oh, we got uh, time to go nuts, right? Okay. Um, so in this group, uh, we have Damwon is first, and then Rogue, and then Nip, who they placed fourth in their league, but they got third in Copa. Mm -hmm. I think that's like an important thing to like distinguish for for the Latam teams because that does like matter a lot. I think the reflection then, of best of threes versus best of one, especially right. Yeah, and then um, Exit rounds out the group. Um, this is, I would say the most difficult group mm. i don't know if i would want to say like the group of death but uh but if you're going to like predict this is the probably one of the more difficult groups i would say to 
to predict because Rogue um Rogue was like a solid team, right? The, the they they only end up second really because they take two L's near the like the last two games of their stage and you could say maybe I'm not exactly sure, but I'm assuming in the last game they already knew they were making it too. And those last games are like hard to factor in when you've already made it and like you're not playing with like an edge or anything like that. Yeah. But they did lose to to pones in in those two games, and that's like a giant uh, kind of like I'd say I I listed them as weird L's or big dubs or like the two things I'll be talking about with the teams. Uh, but yeah, Rogue, in my opinion, will probably end up last in this group, and um, it's mostly because. Uh, I think they have like a big problem with their map pool. Out of all of the teams that I was looking at this morning, um, they're one of the teams that almost feels like they have like almost four auto bans. Um, and they, it, it's going to be hard for them to, I think, maneuver around a best of three. Mm-hmm. Also, too, they have um uh their play style with like kind of their individual aggression and, and great plays that way um i think it, it it's a lot harder to consistently win against like great teams um damn one i think is like the next team that'll probably end up in third uh mostly because of like how we sh- they showed at the the gamers eight uh I, I even put down weird l is losing to us which i think is like just Weird for me to say in general, but uh, I think it's fair enough, right? As just because you know we're not making it right now. Uh, if you're losing to us, it should be a question mark. Um, they have like hardcore solid bands in in cafe and theme, and they like let theme go through against us, and we picked it, and you know, and they lost it. So it does show like they're not very proficient on the map. Um, but I think that they thought that we just didn't want to play it because we we've never had the like the chance to play it. Um, but their play style, when we were playing against them, it's a very old play style. Mm. And it's weird, too, because they remind me a lot of when, like, Fnatic was um, at their, like, top. Like, we're talking, like, three years ago or whatever. When it was just, like, every time APAC went to land, it was just like you were hoping Fnatic did well. Um, Fnatic had a different play style than basically the rest of APAC because they got used to playing, like, international teams. So they wanted to play the international play style and not the APAC play style. And I feel like Dam One has really kind of fallen into that peg, and their defenses right now are just not good for the meta. They constantly fall back, and they play very turtled style defenses, and they rely on their like gunfights to deal with just being in shitty positions because of the way that attacker repick is right now. It just puts you in bad spots, mm. and they don't take enough fights. And it causes them to lose rounds that they probably shouldn't. Um, it, it's interesting you say that because that's kind of been one big critique we've had of a team that recently went on to walk away with arguably the biggest prize pool in the world, it feels like, with BDS, right? They were um, you know, a team that we always kind of look at and say, the, the joke I was normally make is if you're playing them on Clubhouse, you know exactly what their defense is going to be in the basement. They will just turtle on site and let you come at them. And that's a big problem in this meta, right? Yeah, and I think it was awesome to see them like finally win and everything. Um, I thought that at least from what it seemed like they, it was like their tournament to win type of thing. I Mm. don't think personally that their play style won them that tournament. I think that they had enough players get hot and at important times in all their maps that they were able to like muscle their way into victory rather than it be, uh, like 
that they kind of outstyled everyone, if you like, kind of know what I mean. You're basically dangling a new Ferrari in front of Shaika and saying, now go kill everyone, right? It, yeah, it was kind of kind of felt like that. Like they, I mean, I will say, I don't know if uh, the rest of our other uh, teams there, I mean, I feel like a lot of us dropped the ball and allowed like other teams to, to shine and, and go further on in the, the playoffs, whether like if they would have had been tested more by like someone else in the finals. But I I do think that a lot of their early game wins, like you just see like, it was like two guys just like going off or like every time I saw like one of their wins, you'd just see like, oh, LM's carried them that map or Shaco yeah. carried them that map, you know, like, so it, was, it seemed like they were really able to just like, it didn't matter what weight was their like best, you know, most they could do. They were like somehow doing more than that. Like they were just kind of muscling it. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it works out. They, they win it all. And hopefully now like you can, we, we can see them like do that at like a, I would say a bigger event than that, even though I do feel like that was a big event, mm. but like that kind of like will kill the nerves of never done it done, like being able to do it before. And like now they can like get their second. And know? they've got that hunger as well, right? Like you show yeah. them that you can get to the top and win a competition. You know what that feels like to lift that trophy, to have that confetti fall down. And now you're constantly chasing that feeling again, right? Exactly. I just hope that they don't get to a point where it's like, right, we've had success now. We've been trying for a couple of years and some of the players now start to give up, right? Another all suggesting that's the same sort of thing as what you were talking about earlier. But for some teams, they hit that high, they get that success, they take their foot off the gas like, yo, we're the best in the world right now. That's when things really start to sting, right? So for them to win that and also not be at the major at the same time, hopefully that really inspires a little bit of hunger. Yeah, I think even like just in general winning that event, it's not, it doesn't have like the natural prestige that uh, a major or SI would have. So I do think it was like the perfect event for them to win together um, mm. because like there's no way that they're not still hungry. I feel like it just makes you hungrier. Like, guys, we've won this. Like, we can do it. Like, we should be doing it. You know, like, like we got it. We got to get this next one. I, I think I think that was like a perfect kind of scenario, not only for BDS, but for Europe, because I do. As we talk about these groups, you, you got, you're going to kind of see like I have absolutely no hope in Europe for this tournament <laughs> cheers uh, man thank you <laughs> <laughs> but i but i mean like you know that's not saying that they won't they can't do well it's just that at least on paper it doesn't look like they have a good opportunity to do well just to answer your question biggles they are allowed to talk about it it's not like everyone's been told you can't talk about gamers eight and i imagine some will and i do want to talk about it to you for a second actually and ask you a question because you mentioned that dan one for example lost to you at gamers eight how much stock do you put on them losing an event like that versus, say, at a major? I know it's still kind of, it's still big money on the line, but no doubt a major, they probably take more seriously given A, it gets you closer towards SI, and B, it's an official Ubi-sanctioned event. Yeah, this is like an actual conversation that we had like as a team before the event and like how other teams like kind of talked to us about it before our match with them. Um there's always kind of like you kind of like are feeling out like how other teams are confident against teams just to kind of see where they are they are you know yeah and a lot of teams just said well oh well Danwon's probably not going to do much because you know they have the major to worry about and the major's more important because they need the si points but like at least when i've like had the opportunity to talk with them which hasn't been a whole lot but they they are very prideful people and mm. they take I think that all of this very serious and I don't think that they would go in into an event and not absolutely try. And and I do think 
that at least in the meta right now, I I do think they could have done well at the event and turned around and done well at the major. Mm. Um, but there there's no way to know for sure unless like someone came out and said like, yeah, we were worried about you know showing this or that, so we like didn't do a whole lot. It just it does hasn't ever felt to me like they are that um, calculated or like they would like basically. T- I feel like they would turn that down in that case if they were worried about it because they got the invite very late. At least it seemed like I didn't know that they were going until like a week before. Right. And okay. I knew every other team. So like it, it didn't feel like to me that they were going to show up and like not try. Yeah. So, but like that, that's just my take. Like everyone had different takes on it. I, t- I talked to a lot of people and it was like a 50, 50. Some people thought like, well, they're not going to do much because, you know, they're just they're just going to run their defaults and hope for the best. And some people are like, no, like they're going to try hard. And so, it, yeah, it's it's hard to say they lost to us. And I think a pretty good game. And like the only thing that sucked on the other side was that wild obliterated liquid somehow. And then they had to <laughs> like they had to play a liquid who just got like kicked in the groin and weren't happy, you know, and like those are two hard games no matter who you are. Mm. in my like you know and so i don't think that they had an easy route but like it definitely uh it didn't look well like if they were trying hard that like they'll do well at this event which is why i put them in third for the group makes sense let's let's talk about the next two spots then because you've already now basically put your your hat on na and latam for this group so in what order have you got the last two teams yeah so i have exit going in first and, and nip going in second only mostly because i really have a lot of faith in how Exet plays the game. I do. I I was a little surprised that they ended up in fourth, just in um, just because I I I do think that they're a little bit better than maybe I would just say like Sonics at the current meta. But like, I do think like that Sonics is like a an overall more consistent structured team. But they, being a consistent structured team is not good right now, and we'll we'll talk about that a lot like later on. But in the current like playstyle, I I think Xset um, is probably one of the better teams going to the event, and I think something that has they have going for them that the other teams in this group don't is that they don't rely on multiple auto bans. If you look at their like the way they they ban, they only really like to just ban theme, and everything else comes as like a ban to the other team and like what the other team likes to play. And we're talking about bo1s first so it won't matter as much in groups but it'll be really important later on in playoffs when bo3s when you only have two bands and then you got to worry about something else the back the worst thing about having like multiple auto bands in a bo1 is the team will know exactly what you want to play and if you have any vods on those maps they don't have much to study and and when you're like Playing the first set of games, I'm sure all of these teams have already watched like the maps that they're going to play against them. But when you show up and you surprise teams, they're like, oh, this team's actually playing this now. And they weren't playing that before. Like when when that happens at a major, you got to watch those and get ready for like the next games. And when a team when a team like, you know, like Exet, you don't know what they're going to play because they only really have to ban one map. And so it's a lot of homework to do just for one team. You just kind of guess like, okay, these are the ones they favor more. So let's like watch these two and then let's see what they start playing at the major. And then you basically have to play catch up on your homework on them like the whole time. So 
it is that's really kind of why I ended up putting I said over nip. I don't think that uh they're like anywhere like insanely better. Um it's just mostly like when it comes down to it, I do think their playstyle just works a little bit better in the meta and they like to play all nine maps almost. And that that's kind of what gave me the edge for them. Got it. Well, I wanted to ask you about this as well, because you guys obviously can't see this who are watching at home, for example, but you have described each team's playstyle here, giving it a little descriptor as well. You've given like old Sedan One Kia that you spoke about earlier, except you gave the tag of active. Talk us yeah. through these and how you think necessarily they interact with each other across this group. Yeah, so I, I gave I didn't really give this this term active. It, it was a meme. Um, it came from Udega, and uh, when he was like coming over, he was talking about how this active playstyle was going to take over. And now, now keep in mind when he was saying this, it was before this meta really kind of like came all the way through. And so the, all of the structured teams, me, me and Troy especially, we're we're memeing him like. Oh, active playstyle is going to come over and it's going to be scary. Well, like as the meta kind of rolled out all the way, like and this came over a long period of time because Latam was playing a certain way at SI21 and teams started kind of like experimenting with being just more aggressive, going away from just running straight into setups, you know, just kind of like ratting around and all of that stuff. And now it is kind of become what it is now where everyone's saying like Siege is so fun to watch, like it's chaotic and like you never always know exactly what's happening. Well, there's two ways to deal with that. And that's like either individual aggression or coordinated aggression. And, and teams usually will like go towards which one they feel like they're better at. Like um, you'll, you'll see like, let's say Oregon, for example, right? It's basement. And you'll have the team typically on a full clear will like to take small tower. They'll come through, they'll get to like the, the freezer stairs, then they'll like basically wrap around the rest of the map back to tower, and now they've cleared the whole map. Now, as a defender, how do you deal with that? You can either deal with it two ways. You can just like have full force. You have a guy in, we call it the long hallway and the short hallway, which is right outside showers. You can have a guy playing there to deny like that entry from small tower, and then you can have a guy on the dining kitchen side. Okay, so you're working together, right? Coordinated aggression. You're making sure, like, we don't want you to take this part of the map. Take something else. Or if you now, like, let's say you have a guy, like, bottom white. He can't be as extended out because he's by himself, right? You have a guy bottom white. You have a guy playing up in T3 or top of the tower. You have a guy, like, playing somewhere around, like, split to make sure they can't get in front door. That's individual aggression. You're, like, basically trying to occupy the whole map and then you're trying to find out where they're coming from. And then you're going to do your best to slow them down in your spot and then like get out if you can. I see. So you're referring quite heavily there more to the defensive uh, style of play rather than the aggressive one, because on the attacking side, things can change quite heavily. right? Yeah, I'll just say like, usually I won't talk about like a play style for attack, really, because you can just do whatever the bleep you want right now. And uh, it doesn't really matter because it's super easy. Hmm. Then, but we'll talk about again, that we'll later. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, your Group A predictions then, just to summarize, Exet first, NIP second, Down One Kier in third, and Rogue in fourth. Naturally, being against Europe, why wouldn't you be? Let's take a look at Group B as well then. So FaZe, Sonics, G2, and Sandbox. Give me your thoughts on these. Yeah, so... Um, There's a lot of fanboys with dreams on G2, so I'm really curious to hear about yeah. them. <laughs> I have... So, so I will say I have 
really good things to say about G2 as a team in their last couple play days, which I'm just going to say, I am assuming that's when they started trialing the coach that they are going to maybe get later on. This is speculation, remember. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they've really kind of started changing what they look like, and they started playing a lot better near the end. I think G2's biggest biggest hurdle is themselves. I think they have insane players. Citizen, Doki, Alamal, all of them very, very, very good. The only problem is all of them, I feel like just their egos get in their own way a significant amount of time. And like this, and like I, I'm going back to this constantly because I really do feel like that's how the game is right now. If you are not about the team, and if you are not about like what can I do to make the team win, it like you you stand no chance. Like you will lose games that you should not. And I think near the end they started kind of believing in something else than you could see in their first couple games. I mean, after that that G two road game on Bank where like people were just tossing around that clip of like Doki nading himself and Alamao on on the rappel, like people were like memeing them. You know, like it was like almost like seemed like it was going to be a joke. Like the team. That team doesn't that does that's not what they look like near the end. That's a lot better and at so, that point, yeah. Yeah, I do think if they <clears throat> sorry, one second. I do think if they continue to like go along this trajectory and they like f- believe in this system of whoever this person is, I do believe that they will be a like a heavy contender. But they have to like that's the hurdle I'm talking about. When they start winning, they can't change to who they were. They got to keep along this line of like who they're going to be. And if they can do that, I think they'll be a great team. It's really interesting seeing kind of and hearing change for them. It's it's something I've referenced about G2 for probably about a year and a half now. Is the couple of times I've seen them at LAN, whether you see it on player cams or whether we see it when we're getting back onto the desk to break down a game, for example... You always found that it was Citizen being the one making the calls for them in towards the dying moments of a round, or even just to try and get them back on the wagon, even if he wasn't so much the specified IGL. Whereas at least from what I understand now, they are trying to make changes in who's making the calling rather than having just one dedicated IGL in the form of Prano. So whether or not that's kind of what's breathed some new life into them, or whether it's the new, the news that Shafts will be leaving, I'm not sure. But as you say, something is getting them back on the wagon now. Will it be the kind of thing that gets them to go on and win a major at their first appearance? I've Well, their first pre-appearance after the change of Shaz coming in. Obviously, this is that'll be obviously a big question mark to answer, but I don't think we'll see too much at this major. The next one yeah. could be a very different story, though. That's that's kind of where I am at right now. So I'll just say, like, straight up, I do think, like, from top to bottom, it'll go phase Sonic's G2 sandbox. Mm. Um, but I do think that like if G2 keeps playing the way that they're playing and they really kind of buy into it, like next stage they could be scary. Yeah. Because their players are very good. It's just like, yeah, they need to have a system they all believe in. They need to have staff they all believe in. And they need to be able to make sure that like when when it's not it's easy to like believe in something when you're not doing well Mm. because you're like, okay, it's not working. Like, tell me what I need to do. Like I'm desperate. Please tell me. But when it's easy, it's easy to fall off of what you have had because now you're like, well, I don't, I don't need any assistance anymore. 
Mm. You don't tell me it. You don't need to tell me how to play. Yeah. I got this. We're winning. And they, they kind of <laughs> came in on that assumption, right? That's how they were playing from day one is we've got a great set of players. We know what we're doing, right? This will be easy. We'll just cakewalk over everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but I do, I do have high hopes for them in the future because it does look like it's starting to turn around. Yeah. And talk to you about one of the boys from your home region then, Sonics, right? Massive news coming out recently that Super at the age of 67 is finally retiring. <laughs> What's your take on those boys? Do you think this is going to be a last big hoorah and they'll have a real strong performance? Do you think they're not maybe as, as solid as they may have looked previously? Like, What's your take on them? Yeah, I do think that Sonics, at least in the group stage, will do okay, do pretty well. Um, I think my biggest worry for Sonics is when it gets to playoffs. Um, I do think that just because G2 is still trying to find themselves out and I just am not, I'm not sold on a lot of the APAC teams, as you'll see, like they're near the bottom a lot. Um, and I'll, I'll actually just explain why right now. Um, so like in the past, it used to be structured teams reigned high. Like if you were not a structured team, you were getting obliterated or you were getting upset by an APAC team mm. because APAC was a completely different play style and they played crazy and it was unexpected and it would catch you off guard and frustrate you and then you would tilt into a loss. <laughs> and now the only problem is the meta is literally to do that. Like the meta right now is you have to be aggressive. You have to find ways to get picks on the attackers early and you have to find a way to keep that man advantage through the rest of the round or stall the timeout. So like Apex surprise play style is not a surprise to anyone anymore. It's literally what you have to do to win the game. Mm. So like that when they come in, they're it doesn't feel like they have as good scrims in practice and they're doing the same thing as we're doing. They're just not doing it at the right time. They're like they'll they're like hitting you, but like you're ready for it because they'll they won't they won't hit you when you're trying to move into like a different step of your strat. There you're like you just set up all your flank cams. You're getting ready for everyone to move, and then you see two guys flanking. You're like, wait, they're they're coming right now. And then you kill those two guys, and then it's like, all right, now it's a five v three. I let's just go hit the side, I guess. Like yeah. they don't they they're like, you know, they don't have everything figured out the way we do, and it, we now have we like kind of have been forced to play their play style. I just feel like we're playing it better than they are. Yeah. Which is why I have them all a lot lower than anyone else. Basically, you guys are playing APAC V2, right? That's what we're looking at here. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. It is interesting. And like Sandbox, obviously, in this group, you've got them put in fourth place. I think Sandbox are a really fascinating team at the minute because of the changes they've made. Where they pulled across Arakaze from Team 1, who were a team that were always really struggling. And perhaps most importantly, Mephi, not Mephi, sorry, good boy. 18-year-old Gunner had a wonderful stage overall. It does feel like they're starting to... I don't want to say like phase out those that were average on the team, but it kind of is that. They are trying to level up in yeah. all areas. Do I think they're ready to go on and win an event or even get really far and make a deep run? Probably not yet. But I think between them and Dan Wonkia with how serious the organizations are, the gaming houses they're giving them, all the rest of it, you will start to see them compete, just not quite here yet, I don't think. Yeah, I think we're back into the like year two, year, two, year three, year four, where it's like, well... As long as APAC keeps coming to the events, they'll keep learning at the events. That's it. And they'll get they'll get better. I feel like we're back in that like time frame again. Mm. Where like cuz like, you know, Direwolf showed up and they did not look like, you know, they were ready to play 
with the rest of the teams we're playing. Mm. And like, that's kind of just like how it feels right now. I do think given time, like if you watch them mechanically, like they do have good players, really good players. It just is, is making sure like all of them are on the same page and like going towards a common goal and like making sure that their lineups always kind of make sense. Cause there's sometimes where I'll see they're like defensive setups and i wish i had a good example for you like off the top of my head but i'm blinking but you'll see them bring stuff like either on defense or attack and you're like well they they could just like bring this and i just feel like it would be so much better i feel like i'm constantly doing that with like apac teams over any other region Mm. almost like this kind of like the slightly subpar decisions being made there that maybe isn't representative of knowledge that the region needs to be able to compete right yeah yeah Makes sense. And then you've got phase at the very, very top. Why phase number one? Yeah, I think um, phase in general is, I would say, like, they could be a favorite um, for the event. Not necessarily, I'm not saying, like, number one, but I'll probably, like, give you, like, four favorites, like, through this. Um, Let me look back at group A. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if any in group A. Like like I said, that's why I I feel like group A is the hardest to decide. Mm. But I don't think there's any favorites in group A, personally. Uh, But yeah, FaZe, I think, is a favorite. Um, Like Exet, they only really have to ban Border. So, well, it's not Border, is not their map. They only have to ban one map. So going to BO3s, they'll be good. They play a very unique play style. It's if you saw like it's the only one I put on it and I didn't know how to describe it because it's different than everyone else. So I haven't really ever given it a name, but I like made this Excel spreadsheet and I was like, I got to name it something. (laughs) So (laughs) I ended up naming it Tempo um, because it, it is what it feels like, at least from FaZe, is they want at all times to control the pace of the game. And usually, usually there's like, okay, when we're on attack, we control it. When we're on d- defense, we got to feel it out. Or like some teams play it the opposite ways. Attack, we got to feel it out. That usually c- comes with structured teams. Attack, we got to kind of see what they're going to do to us. Then we can play. And then defense, we got to like, you know, whatever. Phase at all times, they really want to like control it. You know, you'll see them like just randomly armoring, like and just planting the bomb right away. They'll like, you know, knock up from the basement and try to like get get like one or two picks before they do anything. Uh, not do anything, but like capital fire bolts and drop in and plant. Like they're constantly trying to like keep you. Get, and then they'll slow the round down, play it really slow, do a full clear, get picks and then plant. Like they're constantly trying to like, like throw you off of what they're doing. And, and it, it's like a very confusing play style to play against. No other team really plays it, or at least plays it as good as them enough for like you to realize what they're doing. Um, but I will say, if they are not controlling the tempo like they want to, they do not do well. Mm. So that's like the big thing for for like teams when they play against Phase is to try to start like basically playing their own game better than they do. Try to confuse them. Try to do weird stuff. Try to then, like, after you're doing that, stop doing it. You know, like, when you, like, kind of have, like, you throw them off their game, that's when you'll kind of, like, do a little bit better against them. It's extremely hard to do. But, like, that's, like, I would say the biggest, like, goal for any team is to be able to do that. And I guess in in the current meta as well, which, again, we'll talk more about in depth later, but given we're in this sort of disruptive phase where it's about, like you say, doing weird stuff, catching the team off guard, trying to pick off attackers... 
it feels like their playstyle isn't a mile away from that and how you've just described it right yeah i think the weirdest thing for them too and i i put this in in my notes was um they have like all they've they have wins against all the other latam major teams like at the event right but they're all of their losses. They had four losses during their league. They were all to teams who didn't even make Copa. Double zero. Big game team. Black Dragons <laughs> one. MIBR. Yeah. They, weird, yeah. Right? Sure. You can. But this is what I'm saying. Like you can say, oh well, they're a big game team. They know when they need to win, or when they don't really understand or expect you to do well, they struggle. They, they, they <laughs> struggle important. against the weird stuff, right? That's important because. That means, like, it does look like there's a possibility for Sandbox to upset them in the group. At what? least one game, they like, Sandbox is probably taking away, like, they can take away a win. At least just looking at it very clear, cut, and dry, you know? There's, there's a good chance with, like, weird stuff that Sandbox can bring, it could frustrate and throw FaZe off and somehow come out with a win when you would expect FaZe to 2-0 them. Well, if you want to clip that statement, it's about 40 minutes into the recording. So uh, get that, clip it, chuck it on the timeline if it comes out big brain at Sandbox. Do beat face. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> we didn't go massively into Sonics to a huge level. How do you think they stack up against the other three teams in the group? Um, Yeah, in the group, I think that they'll do great. Um, I think that they'll really struggle against FaZe. Um, but I do think that they'll have great plans for both Sandbox and G2. I think Seth has got a really good brain for the game. And in group stages, I think uh, they should be fine with this group. I, I know in the past, they've actually had pretty difficult groups and they've struggled in those. But I I think that like with how they like to play the game, they've like really kind of defined the, like it's it was a joke for a while, but they've really done a good job of like being a team who's insanely good at playing BO1s. Mm. Um, they like know what they want to ban and what they don't want to play and they're ready they're ready to play like the rest of them. And I think that's like what has like why why they found early success. They didn't do so well internationally early, but they started to really kind of figure that out like around the SI time frame. And so I think that like going through and figuring out the meta through stage one and themselves and like getting qualified. I do think that like, there's a good chance that SQ will like do well in groups enough to like make it through. And depending on how they get seated in the playoffs, when their first game, I don't think, I don't really have as much more expectations than that from them. Um, but I do think like, that's like really good for them in my opinion. I have a massive train going past my house that you might be able to even hear in the background as well. I've been trying to like really selectively mute my microphone as one goes past, but that one I couldn't dodge. Let's have a talk about Group C then as well, because and just to kind of clarify as well, Group B there, Lycan had down FaZe in first, Sonics in second, G2 in third, and Sandbox in fourth. Over to Group C, we have got Wolves, W7M, OXG, and Gaming Gladiators. What's your take on these guys? Yeah, this is, I think, probably what most Europeans would be the most disappointed in me at for. Uh, mostly because I do think Wolves have, like, started to impress mm. in EUL, you know, and, like, it kind of gives you a hope for more. Um, I'm not sold on it yet. I guess that's all I'll say. Like, I do think that they're a good team. Um, 
they kind of like seem a little scary to me in the fact that like they have an insane amount of bands on four maps. It's hard to like <clears throat> it's hard to consistently win, which they did consistently win in EUL, I will say that. But mm. it's hard to consistently win internationally if people know what you're gonna play. Yeah. It, you cannot ban they ban Sky Theme Cafe Border like in insane amount. Like I like keep in mind I only did all these like stats this morning, like in a in a weird daze at like three AM because <laughs> my like sleep schedule is thrown off right now. But from looking at this, both Rogue and Rogue and Wolves, like they are a team that's literally they built their foundation around playing BO1s right now. And like sure there's like way more to that story, because you could say like these teams could be scrimming all these maps, like and but they just don't play matches on them, right? Yeah. So they could be ready to play them. But like as someone that's trying to predict, it's hard to say like you have any confidence in, in them at all when when you can't ever see them play those maps. Yeah. So, so that I think that and that's the biggest reason why I don't have them going out either one or two. Not because I don't think they're a good team, because I do think that they've really kind of figured their their place in the meta, which is why they have like <clears throat> good wins. Like I, I have a note big dub. They have wins against all the other teams going to the major from EU. Mm. Like they have big wins like across the board. But they also lost the secret, which was kind of weird, I think, for them. To be fair, uh, on that but, day, they had like constant disconnection issues. And then one play, they were basically playing 4v5 for a few rounds, which I think just completely tilted them off the park. And Secret also came in with the vengeance that day, just ready to try and get a win, right? Okay, so that, that's yeah. good information to have. Like, because I, you know, yeah, Liquipedia, yeah. Liquipedia doesn't tell me that, right? No, so, no. like, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember that. So, like, mm. it's important. That's that, that would make sense why it's a weird L. But, like, yeah, obviously. That makes sense. And I do think that, like, the way that they play the game, P4, Bibu, like, they, like, those players, I think, fit really well in, like, what you have to do to win. And so I do think that if they can find a way to, like, be more creative in their map bands than at least what I'm expecting it to be, they could come out of the group. But if they show up on the first day and they ban Sky Theme Cafe Border... I'm going to be like, uh-oh. Like, <laughs> you know, good luck, boys. Let's I guess the battle then is you've got to prep all the other five maps to potentially try and deal with them. And it's... Well, Go on. that's the thing is, right? Is like, if you're Wolves and you ban Sky Theme Cafe Border and like, let's say like you're going against OXG, their only like perma banish map was Oregon. So like OXG, like if you're Wolves, you know, okay, so we don't have to play Caf Sky Theme Cafe Border or Oregon. So now that's five of the maps. We need to prep the other four. OXG, they they know the same thing, but like they don't like have to prep as much. They can say, okay, guys, like what other three maps do we want to get rid of? And we know we're playing this other map. And they can dive hard into that one map. And that's how you end up losing in these international events. Like teams are too good to be able to give, like show your whole hand, which mm. is like kind of what it seems like Wolves is doing. It's like, Guys, we're going to ban these and we're going to be really good at these other ones. But like it's like okay, well, you might be really good at it, but we're going to counterplay the crap out of it and we're yeah. going to ban things that you don't know like you're not ready for and like that's how even if you're really good at those maps, like you can still lose it. Is like it's easy to do that regionally because regionally like the teams aren't as good. Like we're talking about major teams. Mm. When you give them time to prepare for this kind of stuff, like you're going to get in trouble. 
the thing about walls, it's it's really interesting because I've always viewed them as kind of a a pointier, slightly more crazy version of Rogue, where they've both got this ridiculous capability for someone like Spoit on Rogue or Mowgli, of course, for Walls to just run yeah. forward and kill three or four people, see a crack and take it. Both teams are excellent at having drones in front of their entries as well and making sure they can take a lot of ground with a very, very good gunner sat behind that drone. My only worry for Walls is that it feels a little more erratic at points. And the thing is, if Helby heard me saying this, I imagine Helby would just be saying, hater. Because for the longest time I've said about Vitality or about Walls is that it feels something's lacking. They're consistently inconsistent is how I've always described them. Now they've found that consistency. I I can't paste my finger on exactly what it is. I'm just not 100% comfortable with something about their play style. Maybe because it's not super readable, it is quite erratic and that does catch teams off guard. But with teams like them and like Rogue, I've always asked the question, what happens when those teams come up against really smart international teams that can deal with that early aggression? Yeah, and, and to add on to your point, the previous major, there was a game that they played on Clubhouse where, and I can't, I can't believe that I didn't say like Mowgli along with P4 and, and BB. I feel like yeah. I insulted him, which I apologize for because <laughs> the man's insane. He is. He but, is. Um, <clears throat> there was a clubhouse where the, so it went from the basement site to gym site and the basement, they were kind of stalling out. Not really. Mowgli just played a, a play down main hall and, and then no one saw him and he kills two in church. Right. And they win the round. And then it's I think on I know gym. the exact one you're on about. Down from main stairs, right? Down long. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then the next round's gym. And and th I think they needed to win it to like not go to overtime. And they did a uh, jacuzzi ISO or tub ISO, whatever you want to call it. And he was on the, the tub perch with the hard breach. Just randomly, like through the round, just like once again went down the, the main hall. And then he like peeked into either gym or into master got a kill and then peeked the other way and got another one and opened up the whole site and they were able to win that round as well. But then the next time they went to a club, I'm, I'm ready. Like I was talking about it and raving about it. And then like, cause I was doing a, uh, like uh, a watch party uh, for the, for the last major. So I'm like telling all the people in my chat, I'm like, guys, like it was crazy last time. This guy was making these plays. Like can't wait for this to happen next that clubhouse. He didn't do any of it. I was just like, and, and, and then I, I'm, I believe they lost to like BDS or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but like, I was just like, where did those plays go? Like what, what, like all of a sudden, like he was making these plays and then wasn't. And so it's like, do, is this something that they have planned or like, is it something that just doesn't happen sometimes? And like when it, when I look at something and I get confused about stuff like that, that's when I like, don't believe in the team as much. Like, Okay, sure, you don't have to walk it down main hall, but, like, is this guy going to jump in master window? Like, do something that, like, you know, is he going to do something that is not expected? Because, like, if if your defaults are, like, not all the way there and you, like, kind of rely on these plays, but then sometimes you don't do them, your default is not good. So, like, you're just relying on, a, on an attack that's not as good and you're not going to win it. At least that's what it seemed like from watching those two clubs like back to back. So, I mean, like, obviously they've, they've been together longer and they can get better, but like, at least for right now, like I didn't have faith to put them in two because like of things that I, I, I've seen from them. But I do think like out of all of the teams, they're probably one of the more impressive ones to me because they picked up Mowgli and P4 and 
they had like kind of like the same core or whatever and they've been able to like go from a team that like no one was really i would say ever impressed with to a team that's like dominating like a team that's very strong in the region so i think that's like a really good thing for them i do think there's like a lot of things that they still can work on though same at most. There's always something to improve on at the end of the day, right? Yeah. But I agree with that. And erratic nature is what I'm kind of waiting to see more structure around, but time will tell. You then put W7M above OXG. Now, last major, W7M obviously had a whole ton of drama where they were issues of players not being on site, for example. We all remember that. They've come back out in stage two and slapped everyone silly. Once again, finished in first place, got second at Copa. No matter which way you look at it, probably arguably the strongest team coming out of the region. What's your take on them? Yeah, I would say, like, if I had to pick one team, like, if you were going to say you have to pick a winner, I would say W7M. I would say they they belong with the favorites for sure, but they have just, like, the edge. Like, they play well together. They have very good coordinated aggression, and they don't, like, rely on... A, they, they do heavily ban Bank Sky, but, like, that's fine in BO3s. And, like, sure, they got to worry about a BO5. But, like, in their league, they had a plus 30 round differential near the end. And the only weird time they lost was against Double O Nation. Or uh, I'm not sure what we're supposed to... Do we call them Double O Nation? I, I don't really Truthfully, know. Truthfully, like, don't cast it. Therefore, don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, every time I see it, I'm like, Double Zero, Double O Nation. Like, I don't know. That's it. Um, but, uh... That was a weird loss for them, but like still with like that loss, they have a plus 30 round differential that's like a very strong round differential in a very, you know, they have like an insane amount of good teams. Liquid didn't even make it into Copa, like, you know, so um, to to have a team that dominant and they're still like very like new into it, like it's it's a very exciting team to watch. I always like turn it on when they're when they're playing. So I I have a lot of high hopes for them now that. I think the biggest question mark for me for them was like their league before when they did well was online and then like they didn't do so well at the the event and they had awful circumstances. I think we all can agree on that. Um, I was like, well, we'll have to see how they actually play at LAN. Well, now they have and they didn't slow down at all. So now like it's like, well, like where where is their potential end? Because it doesn't really seem like there is one. I mean, I know like they lost to to phase in copa but i think like if you play that out a cup like say you let them play it out 10 times i do think like w7m wins it like at least six four so i i do have like a lot of faith in them and i do think like i give them a slight edge as a favorite over phase you get to show a little bit of bias here as well potentially because now we're going to talk about oxg you're putting them in second place what are you thinking about oxg the way they're playing at the minute their chance in this group so on yeah, OXG, I'd say, like, they're... I put weird loss was to us, mostly because uh, it's funny when I say that, and also, too, because one of the maps that they banned the most is Oregon, and they played us on Oregon, and then they lost to us on Oregon. So, like, that, it's just weird. If, if you're going to constantly ban that map, and then you're going to let us go to that, like, you better have, like, a good reason, and you better win it. And they didn't. So I, I do think that that was kind of weird from them. Um, other than that, I thought they had a really good win against Astralis. They always kind of... OXG over like the, the frame of time has been the team that can make sure that they get it done kind of like no matter what. 
like you'll you'll see like structured teams are better like aggressive teams are better whatever it always seems like oxg is still there like no matter where the pieces are moving around and so i i think that just gives me a lot of faith in them in general to make sure they can get it done i do know like it does kind of seem like at least through like the twitter world slash rumor mills something's going on with that team and I don't know if that's going to come to the event. I sure hope not. Um, but I do think, like, no matter what, that they always find a way to at least make it out of groups. That's something that, like, you can say pretty consistently about OXG, whether or not you think that their group's too easy or whatever. Unless they're playing with a coach, like, they get out of groups. And that's, that's what I kind of, like, gave as an edge over Wolves. Keep in mind, I do think both of those teams are very good. But because, like, Wolves are very telegraphed with their bands, and OXG is kind of, like, tricky, um, I do think, like, that gives them a slight edge in the group. And according to that last team, then, as well, Gaming Gladiator is now, I don't know about you, yeah. but I think as a team, I'd probably, one, know the least about them, and two, have the lowest expectations for them overall. You in the same boat, or...? Yeah, I'll even say I don't even know everyone on their roster, which is, like, a Me little neither. embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I mean, as a, as a coach, I feel like I should know all of that stuff. I do know they have Joe, who used to be on IG, yeah, and uh, he was like a you know a, a new star, rising star kind of player that like IG let go, and then he like joins this team and he's now here and IG isn't, so you know that's got to feel good for him, right? But, <laughs> Just a little. Uh, um, but other than that, I will say I don't know a whole lot about them, and I do feel like their event will be a lot like Direwolves from last event. And it'll be a learning, a learning event for them. A chance for them to watch how these teams play, kind of get a good feel for it, try their best, maybe come out with one win. Other than that, I don't really think there's much other expectation for them. Mm, I think I'm with you on that one as well. So to summarize, W7M first place, OXG second, Wolves in third, and Gaming Gladiators. Yet again, another NA Latam pair getting out of the group. Then we come on to Group D, and I looked at this earlier on and thought, surely somewhere Lycan's got to have EU's back. Surely somewhere. Even here, no. We've got Astralis, Furia, Eminem, Elevate is your predictions. Let's start with the boys at the top right. Astralis in the grand final against Dark Zero, last major. Not at a bad stage at all. What's your take? Yeah, I do think um, Astralis, given more time to like learn the meta and have time with Callout, which I think is doing a great job as a coach for them, that they would have beat Dark Zero in that major. But hey, like, you know, we can't go back and, and play it over, right? Like, Dark Zero did a good job. They were still kind of like more of a structured side, at least on attack. They're a little bit more aggressive on defense. But um, I think given with this more time that Astralis has now had, their only struggles, I think, even within the season was because they had to deal with like DP getting COVID. And, like, even though Callout played and did win, like, it did, like, then you got to transfer back over to the player playing, and it did give them a little bit of a hiccup. But other than that, like, they, they did a really good job in, in the stage itself, and I do think that they are within the favorites to, like, win the event. Wow, strong claim. So is it them and W7M you put in near the top as the W7M Astralis final? Um, I don't like calling finals only because I can't see how it's getting seeded. Yeah. Because... Once once I see how the playoffs are, I just that's why I like calling favorites because yeah. like it does matter like you know if Astralis and, and W7N end up getting on on the top side then it's going to be an insane semi but like you know then they can't both be in the finals 
But I do think I will say if it's, if it's Astralis W7M finals, the finals will be insane. Oh, I yeah. do think. Damn straight they would. So Astralis in first, and you got Furia in second. Why Furia second? Um, I think this is mostly because uh, like Elevate kind of disappeared a little bit. Like after they did well at SI, they had player changes, and then they didn't do well stage one. They do make it through in first place of their region like in south but like there's not like the competition that you get anywhere else there so it's hard for me to like say that they'll do well also along with what i was saying earlier about like everyone playing that play style it's not like going to be confusing to anyone going into this eminem uh it's mostly because like i don't i was actually kind of surprised that they were able to make it in to begin with me too i do truthfully. think that i do think that they have high potential i don't think that they're anywhere near where they can reach yet like i do think that they're still learning a lot about themselves and how to play like as a team they like uh, maybe you can fill me in on this but they lost to both outsiders and pones and i thought that seemed really odd um but then they i think i also saw they i'm pretty sure they lost to every single uh eu team no maybe they won they won against one of the the teams that are i think they the i'll have to remind myself they had a mad rally i think that made towards the end well no, no i'm gonna lie that was for them stage. for them they had like losses in the beginning then they won like four straight yeah so they picked up like 12 points and then they started like losing again but like yeah. their their rally was like in the in the middle and uh that helped them get enough points and then they were able to like you know make sure they they still got in but it wasn't like dominating or it didn't like it wasn't enough to give you like a whole lot of confidence in them like if you're like just looking at it from like just stats straight stats and trying to like pick like who's gonna win when i was looking at it it looked like okay that like they look like they could be like manhandled a little bit that's my concern so, as well it's like i've never felt like i'm normally a massive eminem advocate as well i really think they can do well back at si i kind of coined them as being a mini tsm when they played this formation where you had the front three and similar to how yeah. you had uh the same front three for tsm and it was like okay well they're getting there but 10 a.m games simply were not their friend at that uh, si whereas this <laughs> oh, time I around you look at it now like you, like you said they lost those last two days they lost eight seven to pones and seven four to outsiders if they'd won those two games they would have been joint first place alongside walls and that's crazy because when we yeah. look back at the actual stage itself i don't think anyone even holds a candle for eminem up against walls who have looked like a much more convincing team throughout the stage yeah, I would agree. Which is, which is why, like when I was doing this, it kind of really just seemed like, wow, these guys like pulled this off. Like mm. you know, it's it's pretty impressive, you know. But it also kind of just not you. Usually, you don't have that impression when you're looking at the the teams who made it. You kind of you see how their games went, and you kind of like, okay, I see how they made it. You know, like it makes sense. But like when I was looking at them, I'm like, wait, these guys had enough points. Yeah, I had to like go back and add. I was like, how did this? So like yeah, I didn't I didn't have that feeling while doing any of the rest of this this morning that I did with them, and that's why I left them out of top two. Yeah, Panzer points out a really good point actually as well. I saw it on Twitter early. Like I think tomorrow is the last day for Solitov to get his visa, or he simply won't be able to go to the major either. I mean yeah, I mean that puts him in fourth probably for the group for predictions. That would be a real if sicker. they can't. It would be. I I just it actually. The fact that visas get in the way of these competitions is like the most devastating thing. Oh, not, not only for the team, which by the way, for the team, it's way more devastating. But like as like someone who's like excited to watch the games, 
And it, it's just like, when you know, like, this team, I do have them third, but, like, keep in mind, that doesn't mean they're out of it. Like, they could easily, like, show out and, and I will say get second. I, I haven't said my last point about Astralis, and I'll say it now. If Astralis doesn't get first, it's like, to me, a, in my opinion, it's like uh, an upset. Like this, this to me, this group is the easiest group out of all of the groups. Group D, and I think I agree, Astralis, yeah. Astralis, if they don't do well here, like and they get fir- don't get first, I don't think that they'll do well in the playoffs mm. because like there's no reason why they shouldn't in this group, and that that's like I would say being pretty insulting to Furia because I do think and Furia is a good team, but like the I don't see how. Because the way that Eminem plays and the way that Elevate plays, Astralis plays against those play styles insanely well. Like, they eat those kind of plays up. And um, so if they find ways to lose to those teams, it's going to be scary to see how far they can actually go in the tournament. And what about Elevate? Because even I had noticed, to be truthful, honestly, with you, like someone asked me on my uh, stream last week, they were like, you know, how do you find enough time to watch every single region? I said, that's the secret. I don't. I don't get yeah. to watch APAC South. I don't really get to watch Latam. I catch a little bit of NA. But then between APAC North and EU, I just don't have enough time to catch everything else. But what I have just clocked is they picked up two new players. They've got Mark Shortboys and Mr. Punch. Two Thai players coming from a team called Sharper Esport. Mr. Punch is only 18 years old, so he could be one of those, you know, the new fabled age of gunners that are coming through <laughs> that are really taking the world by storm. They could have a little bit of extra bite to them, not just in the form of Onagiri and his MK14, right? I, I hope. <laughs> I think that's the best way to answer that. Um, no, I, I will say, like, the biggest thing, like, I guess the, the the answer I always give to people when they're like, how do you have time to watch all these things? And I, I also don't, by the way. And, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the answer I give them is in, until APAC South and North start winning major events, why do I need to watch all of their games? Like, honestly... There, there isn't much of a reason, and I know I get paid, so I should. But like, the their games, if you go and watch their games, actually, and I, I used to do this, and it's the reason why I don't anymore. Is they even they play even crazier when they play themselves. It is so hectic and chaotic that a lot of like the Latam or the APAC versus APAC games are there's almost nothing for me to gain except for their like tricky one-off attacks and and i'd almost like always used to never watch them for that but like how with how attacker repick is now a lot of the weird like things that you think you could never get away with that apac does they work now because you can literally you don't have to even use your brain you don't have to know what the site is like you just throw some like throw four drones into the site see what it is and see a couple of their operators and then you could just do like a constant like one-off strat and like win a bunch of free rounds and i mean that's the only reason why you'd watch apac right now other than that like you what you what i do is i wait to see who qualifies and yeah. then i go back and watch all their games <laughs> like I go that's back and watch way, two or three games yeah that's yes exactly it's it. way more efficient like to do it that way because until they start winning big events there's no real reason to do it otherwise which is yeah why i don't watch like any apac south i do watch some apac north because i do think cag and and uh damn one I ha- and I watch some sandbox games, but it's really like when sandbox is playing the two of them. And I and I watch mostly just their games. And I like take stuff from like what they do because 
I do think that what they do is creative and works well. And, and instead of just being creative and has a chance to just absolutely flop. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, besides all that, I do think, like, it would be really cool to see Elevate show up like they did at SI. I just don't see it happening yet. Like, I think they need to, like, once again, like, there's going to be no surprise factor here. I'd say SI was the last time you were really catching teams off guard. Everyone started hard committing to this play style after that. Like, look at, like, after that, you started seeing, like, all the teams you'd always expect to be at the major. They weren't going anymore because everyone started hard committing for this playstyle and you started seeing new teams like come out of the word work and be better because it like fits their playstyle more than others mm. and uh yeah with without that surprise i don't know if elevate goes very far so to summarize you are a massive na latam shill for this event four na teams know, four latam teams no eu even... no apac when I sent it to you this morning, I didn't even realize what I did, I'll be honest. <laughs> so just as a recap for everyone else, like and predict out of group A, we'll see Exit and NIP sending down one Kier and Rogue home. In group B, FaZe and Sonics will make it out with G2 and Sandbox being the ones headed to the airport. Well, not G2, they're about 300 meters away from the HQ. In Group C, W7M and OXG make it out. Walls and Gaming Gladiators go home. And in Group D, Astralis and Furia make it through with Eminem and Elevate going home. Interesting. As a final quick question on the groups for the Major before we kind of step away from it and start talking more about Siege itself. What matchups are you most excited to see in the group stage? Because I think it goes without saying, everyone is living for the Twitter world war between Alamau and Super Right. Yeah, I think that's like the obvious one right off the bat is... Just like seeing them play each other. Um, and I think no matter which side wins, I think it will be fun to see the reactions because you know Super will have something to say and you know Alamawa. And I, I think even Citizen will jump in too. Oh, I'm ready for the all chat. I cannot wait. Yeah. So I do think I do think like between that that game will be really, really, really fun to watch. Um, just for the entertainment value. I, I will I do think the game will be good as well. Mm. But I think like if you're going to talk entertainment, that game will probably be the best outside of just the actual gameplay. Yeah. Um, I think Group A has a lot of uh, potential for good good games. Just because, I, like I said, I do think like that group is super close. Um, potential for like Leon to like go crazy against a couple of teams, I think, would be fun to watch. Um, oh, just just Leon. Well, I, I'll be honest. I, I mean, I know Cryon has been going going off, and they have like great skill across the team. I just, uh, I'm not sold on the lineup until I see it do well at an international event. That's that's Reasonable. all I'm gonna say. I, Reasonable. I, I, I do think like, I, I like. See, this, this just. I'm gonna keep saying it over and over. I'm like this whole this whole podcast is just like and talking about how teammates need to like each other. Mm. Rogue, I don't think like when people saw this lineup with like Kanto, Cryon, like Leon, like people, people almost kind of was like, okay, they're bringing in some old guy from the past that got dropped from a good team. Like Cryon was on that good team, but everyone made fun of him. Like Leon, like has like probably the biggest hill of a career, right, up and down. Like who, when you were looking at this team get put together, you you couldn't tell me that you thought that they'd be one or two in the region, like honestly and, and, and like obviously spoit too like new new guy like coming in like tons of hype around him bolo like hype and like 
when when you when when you got there, it kind of just seemed like okay, maybe they'll they'll make fourth and they'll like you know get to play at majors and it'll be cool to see Spoit there and he'll get to sign autographs. But like they're actually playing well, and it's because like go look at all their tweets. All their tweets are about how much they trust each other, how much they're getting along, like how they like playing the game together, like all of those things, and that's why they're doing well. And like that gives them an opportunity to like come up to this event and actually put on a show. I don't think that they're this this group is just so hard to like get wins mm. in, I think. All it's, of the it's teams so exciting are good. though. I'd I'd honestly watch any of these four teams play each other. Because NIP yeah. is kind of that the old guard incredible team that everyone wants to take a massive chunk out of. You know, XS the new kid on the block that had a really good run at Charlotte. Damn one key is that up and coming APAC team that everyone wants to put in the gutter. And Rogue are that team that almost in a way behind the scenes, I feel I remember saying about a year ago, and a lot of us did, that it feels like a lot of European teams have really got to level up behind the scenes. Like we had good capability in terms of talent, but how they played together, the attitude they yeah. carried towards the game, their approach towards practice just wasn't really there. Whereas it feels for Rogue now, especially with Bernadette, their site coach behind them as well. They're doing so much work and it actually feels like we're starting to look towards what feels like an NA team in terms of their approach to the game, the way they treat each other, for example. It really is going up a gear, like you say. And maybe that is a case of it's covering slightly for what wouldn't be as strong a performance otherwise. But I'm quietly confident about Rogue. I'd argue above the other teams, they probably are my... The team I'm most comfortable with and most um, hopeful of going into the event overall. Yeah, it's funny because I actually have them the lowest out of any EU team now that I'm... Yeah, you got four. Like, yeah, you are right. <laughs> but like that, that I, I will say they actually are probably the team that I have the most faith in from EU at mm. this event. Have you ever because, seen like them I said, bumping I... cameras? By the way, yes, they always I... do that. And yeah, against heroic, <laughs> heroic won the first few rounds and started mocking them by doing that. And then Rogue uh... came back and started winning with the whole fist bumping thing. And the end of the end of the thing, Leon came That's on good. camera, and obviously you couldn't hear him. But he was like, where are you, Mr. Officer? Where are you? Make me shut up and all this. It was oh, hilarious. Oh, I, re I, re I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> he was like screaming into his webcam. Yeah. Like, uh, if anyone wants to see that, I'm pretty sure Leon put the clip on his Twitter at some point as well with audio. So you can hear him basically just telling Mr. Officer to shut the hell up. It was hilarious. Yeah. And the only reason why I have them so low is because this group, in my opinion, is so, like, I feel like they're so even. Humble like, me. That's it, if, Frog. Yeah, thank you. If... If any of the groups I was like extremely wrong in for predictions, I know it's gonna it's gonna be Group A, just because it's like so hard just off of looking at them to like. I mean, I I even really feel like I gave Exet like bias points just because I scrim them and I like know how it feels to play against them, and like I don't have that ability with the rest of them except for a yeah. damn one. We beat them, so I dropped them lower, but like. I do feel like any of these teams easily can come out in this group where other groups, I don't think that like, I, I really don't have a lot of faith in some of these other teams and they were like straight to the bottom. It's inherent. I think when anyone from a region is looking at a tournament, they might well value their own team slightly higher, given the amount of knowledge they have about them, how much they see them play. Like in your case, when you actually play against them, you can see those strengths a lot more vividly, arguably weaknesses as well, but maybe being hopeful yeah. for the region, a little bit of that coming together as well really plays into it. But that was a nice little chat. A good hour and 15 in, and we've covered off SSG. We've covered off the major preview. Now I want to walk onto a part that I'm sure you're absolutely delighted to talk about, Siege itself, because there's so much we can go into. We've had six months with the nine map pool. We've, of course, two majors after this one's concluded. We've seen Attacker Repick come running through. Everyone says the game is more enjoyable to watch right now. We've seen Operator Quarantine disappear. 
there is so much to go through. And I want to start on one thing that you said to me last week. You said gunfights are dead. I really want to know what you mean when you say that. Yeah, um, that was a good one to start on. <laughs> so I, I, I do think... Uh, it's like a BuzzFeed the, title, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I believe it so hard. Uh, mm. there, and there's so many cases that th this, this conversation that we're about to have, I really wish that I just had clips like available for me that I could like explain what I mean when I'm saying it because right. uh well next like, time we do a podcast together I'll make sure I've got someone producing it with clips no, no, and all that sort of stuff <laughs> I just I just I'll start clipping stuff so I can like I'll ha I should have this you know but like the big things is like you can so consistently see these days is you'll you'll see a guy get to a corner and then he'll just start peeking it and then if he sees anything he just presses mouse one and leans into the wall and then just starts firing down the hallway and there's so often that we'll see a guy do that and we're like oh what a nasty shot like right but like really it's not it really has nothing to do with the shot at all except for the fact that he's placing it in a very common like angle. And I think the example I gave to you when I, when I was doing this was crying and, and no disrespect to crying because literally every player is playing this way right now. And you kind of have to the way the siege is. And, and, and what he did was it was like a, a clubhouse round and it was Jim and the, the other team was coming from server side over. So typically you can call that either a split take or it's like a, an office drop take where you'll take over server side, you'll get to, to connection, connector, and then you'll have either the choice of going Windows, going Tub, or going Office Drop, and that decides like kind of like where your rest of your execute will come on. Well, they were on defense, and like he was in like a 1v3 or 1v4, and they someone walked in from connector right up to the master bomb and was looking over the bomb to like the, the master door to the hallway because they knew he was there. And he just jiggled it once, and then he just like popped shots over to the bomb and, and slammed the guy. And it looked absolutely nasty. Like, even when I, like, saw it, I was just like, oh! Like, you know, like, he just slammed that guy. But, like... Even if it's the basics, are... it's still impressive, right? Everyone loves to see it still. Yes. it. But that's almost all the gunfights right now in Siege. Mm. Like, it. it's not, like, a swing out. Like, if you if you watch not just Siege, but you're watching, like, also CS and, and Val and stuff like that... A lot of the gunfights are you gain information and then you swing out and you have to like stop moving at some point and then you start shooting and then you can see like these, these guys are basically dueling right like they both know each other are there they both come out away from their cover and then they try to kill the other one before the, the other one kills them in siege like especially with the lmgs it's made it like 10 times worse You'll see where someone is, then you just press mouse one and you literally try to shoot into the area of where that guy was until you run out of ammo and then you hide and you reload and then you do it again. And like, it just, it's not, it's like not as enjoyable, at least for me, mm. as like, uh, as like a FPS kind of like fanatic to watch. Like, it, it just, and, and I mean, it does lead to some really cool, like, kills because you don't, even though there is some luck to it, there is a lot of practice to it. Being able to 
like say come down like a hallway and then like know exactly where the corner is for like the next target and you peek out and you shoot a couple bullets and you kill someone but most of the time you're like oh i just killed someone you know like you you're just doing it because you know you have to like check all these boxes and you're like there's probably going to be a defender waiting for me here to see if i'm here yet to be able to let his team know while he's falling back and if you can kill him while he's on the angle like you get the man advantage well there's no there's absolutely no penalty for just popping shots everywhere in siege yeah like you 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 don't lose any accuracy while moving like you have a million bullets in your arsenal so, like, why not just, like, shoot bullets everywhere? And people have found that out, and people are getting really, really good at abusing it. What would you do to solve that problem? Yeah, there has to, like, it's one of two things. You have to either reduce the ammo count, which is something that I've pleaded for forever, is get rid of the fact that we have basically, like, four magazines worth yeah, and I think, like, the biggest worry to people always is, like, well, what if people board up doors everywhere? You know, you have to, like, shoot them all down. I would just say to that, like, make it so, like, it doesn't cost you as much ammunition to take down a barricade. Um, but, like, yeah. So, lowering ammo count. I can't tell the of times I've played rank, for example, with an ARX, shot every single bullet into a barricade. It hasn't died, <laughs> and it's always the first bullet of the next mag that gets the barricade. It yeah, me and, then, shit. and then the guy's swinging out the door at you, Honestly, right? I'm just like, fuck <laughs> you, man. Honestly. Ugh. Uh, but yeah, so lowering the ammo count is like an easy way. And I think actually the healthiest way for Rainbow to deal with the problem. Because the other way is to have some sort of movement penalty. And like, then when you start ta talking about having a movement penalty, then you start kind of like coming away from the identity of Siege. That's the problem, Because right? like, yeah, like Siege is like always like, in the history of the the series not just rainbow six siege you've always been able to ads you've always been able to crouch spam and you've been able to just like shoot your gun at will so like that that one like I, that one i know for sure the casual players will hate the pro players for and i know they hate us for they'll everything specifically else, hate you but because i'll clip you... this and post it on reddit <laughs> and they'll know it was yeah. you I, I just know that one. They'll just be like, this game's getting worse and worse. We're like losing everything that we've loved about the game. Which, is, I mean, I get that one. And that's why I say it's second option. First option is definitely do something about the ammo count. And get rid of the LMGs or find a way to deal with them already. Which I know is like something in the works for them. But it's like, yeah, it's to the past. It's to the point now where it's like, it's a joke. Kind of at this point. Like it needed to be done. I would say in March. Like, the fact that it's not done yet, I think is, is pretty irresponsible of the team. I think that was the general response that we saw from the community is why is it taking nearly six months for this to become a thing? You know, surely we can see two or three months, three or two or three months in, sorry, exactly what the problem is. Dan, by the way, BRB, you're going to go egg like and sells because now I can't strafe shoot. So you've got yourself a nice egg coming on Halloween, I imagine. As for... Yeah, that, the, the fix that you got there in terms of changing that second point, I think I agree with you that you, just, you you wouldn't really be able to do it because, one, it would alienate a lot of the current player base. Our oh, Siege never feels the same again. Two, it feels like you're almost kind of playing into a would-be Valorant CS sort of thing and everyone would be like, yeah. oh, they're just trying to copy the more successful shooters, yada, 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 right? Lose our uniqueness. Exactly. What do you think about the potential yeah. for the recall changes coming in? I want to see how they're going to do it because I don't... Uh... I mean, I... Because I feel like that's I a don't know if, CS and Valorant, right? With the whole, like, big recall patterns per gun and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be, like, they're going to change, like, what, what... So, 
I don't know if you were with Siege yet, because I think it was either the end of two or the end of three, but I know it was in November month when it happened. But they started like talking about how they wanted recoil to be dealt with. There was the first shot recoil, there was the diamond of the recoil, and then there was like another one that went on top of that as well. I remember the diamond thing, yeah. Yeah, so each gun has their own like uniqueness with as far as like when when like you shoot one bullet, how fast it jumps up or how quickly it'll move out to the it's like outer diamond ring. And I want to know like are okay, so are they messing with that? Or are they gonna like change attachments? Like is it going to be something that's a lot easier to deal with? Like oh, we're taking away the compensator from like say a gun that you always need the compensator for. Or are they going to take away muzzles from DMRs? You know, like, is it going to be something where, like, they're going to fix the game in a in a kind of, like, easier to understand way? Or are they going to change the game in a way that, like, it's going to be confusing? Because I know if they're going to be like, all right, T5, that gun's way too easy to use. We're going <laughs> to increase its first shot, uh, first shot recoil by, like, 2.5. And then we're going to increase the diamond spread by 3.25. And all of us are going to look at it and be like, what the f- does that mean? Like what? Like what are they doing to it? Like yeah. it sounds okay. It's just getting it, worse. Is, is it but bad? I don't... Is it good? Or... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like so. So we have like yeah. I think the the biggest thing first is figuring out like what they're like. What do they want to do? Like, are they just gonna do attachments? Are they gonna actually mess with like the the code of the guns? And like once we kind of figure that out, I think we'll kind of like see real things happen. Now I will say like that is one way to fix the the like spraying everywhere is if the guns are too hard to control you can't just lean in and start firing you need to make sure your first like five shots are like on and if they're not on then like you'll have a lot of problems so like yeah there i guess there's three i didn't i didn't list that one that that would be another way to fix it i just don't know if that's like what they're aiming to do with it i see right okay one of your other statements was around, you know, the, the faster game that we're in. It's one topic you wanted to talk about a little bit. So when you say faster game and everyone else is referring to the same sort of thing, how would you describe that? The faster game state that we're currently in? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with just like attacker repick in general. And it's um, something that I really kind of like gave as an alarm to the idea to begin with. Um, the fact that you can find out what the bomb site is. You can then go in and you can change all five of your operators and you will know for the most part i'll say this there's a lot of things that kind of have to be said first as i as i'm going through this when you are like droning a bomb site usually typically a pro team will at least have two strats for every site they'll have like a default and then usually they'll have like a creative way to counter strat something that they're weak to so let's take uh, Villa, for example, and like, let's say they're on AV, right? Plane, whatever you call it. I don't know what Europeans call it. Um, ABG. Okay. So like, ABG usually games, I would ABG. say... Come on, makes sense. I mean, sure. That's a, that was my second choice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, usually a team will have a default where they have um, some sort of denial for throwables on White Stair. And they'll have like their smoke in sight that's looking through his little holes, trying to help his buddy on White Stair. And then you'll have like 
um, someone ready to like just kind of swing map store so they can't just get in map store and kill the guy on white stair. And your other two guys are kind of doing whatever. Either another guy in sight on cams, another guy like free roaming, kind of like trying to make a play down for art and piano, or sorry, art and like living area. That's like a default. Then you'll see a lot of teams that'll have like an extension over to the master side that'll help deal with split takes. So you'll have like a mirror on the triple wall. You'll have a guy playing in blue. You'll have a guy playing around red stair to like make sure they can't just walk in tile door. He can swing that guy. And they also can't come up red stairs because he's right there watching it. You know, so like those are two like AV strats that are very typical that you can see from a lot of pro teams. But they're drastically different. You get one drone over on the master side and you see them start putting up walls, you immediately know what strat they're doing, right? Because you're, you, they're not putting any walls over there for their like hard hold for the wide stare. Mm. Now you, you know exactly what their defense is. Now you can pick all the operators you want to do a take against what they're doing. Now, back in the day... You could not do that. Like you had, like you didn't even know that they were going AVG. You you didn't know. Like okay, did they like try to trick us and go living? Did they try to trick us and go dining first? Because dining's a good site. Like wh- all you had is your analyst that would say, well, most likely they'll start with with trophy. Good luck. <laughs> it's like okay, guys, let's pick a lineup let's that's for the best. Safe. That's safe for all sites, but good for dining. That would be, that's how you had to play it. And then, like, from there, you're like, oh, it's living? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh... Did you not find that kind of way of the game being played of being a little bit like, I, I guess, like, it doesn't sound like a bad thing, but saying suboptimal way of playing the game. It's kind of a, you're playing for all sides, whereas wouldn't you rather see the attackers, you know, look at what it is they're about to come into and then have the ability to adapt and change? I mean, at least from our side of things, that does make things really exciting when you see a spicy pit, like, I don't know, Fuse being brought to attack clubhouse basement with his two uh, tin openers in back pocket as well. We've seen a couple of EU teams starting to do that, and it does bring some more spicy picks in. It does, and every single time someone says, "Well, it's it's so much funner. It's so much like siege is so much fun to watch." I hear that. I, I hear it all the time. Literally, anytime I complain about attacker repick, I hear it, and it and it makes sense. Like it is fun to watch. Like. How, like, how often before did you really see people gambling on an Amaru pick or gambling on a knock pick? Yeah. Or, you know, like, you you didn't really do it that much. And I will say back then it wasn't, you didn't really want to do that because back then you wanted to be structured and not just, like, throw your all your chips in, in one basket, which, you know, okay. So it's, it's kind of hard to, like, it's not apples and apples, really. Um, but I, I do think that... I enjoyed the old style more. And I'll say this. So like it what it's fun now because like as attackers, you really get to like, you know, go to like the war room and like uh we know they're aviator and we know that they're doing a default. Let's do our like master overtake. It'll be free over there. We'll have a lot of time and then we can like slowly find a way to like smother the site and win the round. And that is exactly why the game is so fast right now is you can, if you have good Intel and a good staff, you can see exactly where a team is set up and what they brought. And you can plan before the game even starts, what you're going to bring Mm. when that happens. And you have a head start. Like you, if they're not over on that side and you didn't know that before, like 
you were trying to like figure out what they were and like you're like oh we planned for a white take but they're holding on white we didn't think that i guess we'll go over on the split side but like we don't have the right ops for it now like when you when you take over on the master side right then people started doing like these red holds where oh you're so you're not coming for white pick up all your jaeger would pick up all his utility when my would start picking up all his discs and before you had time to get to like deer and statue they would have all that utility they planned for white on red stair yeah and now you're like crap like we can't even get to like bust or whatever you whatever you guys call it i don't know map store yeah like so like those problems were real problems that attackers had to fix in real time that they don't have to do anymore like it was it was all on the attack to really kind of like be a, a real team and general their way through a problem like as you guys were watching it now yeah you hardly ever see that to it's a, really like to to a level i think i agree with you to a level because i think what you're currently seeing that you're on about before is essentially the setup was what they had to try and work their way through right it's about the the strength of the igl in the round itself to identify the the, the, the fields before them and come up with a plan to deal with what they've found. Whereas now, and we'll come onto this no doubt in a second as well, like you said before, defenders that sit on site are the ones being the most heavily punished right now. Whereas the attackers kind of have to figure out how to deal with, I guess, more dynamic defenders who want to get out in the map, try and cause trouble. They have to coordinate pinches onto them, that sort of thing. It becomes more about the operators than it does so much about the strat that is... I guess to a more casual or layman viewer, more of a, a hidden thing. Like the strat itself, you can't see in plain sight. The position of an operator, you absolutely can. Strats themselves, you kind of have to have the knowledge of how they look and how they sit. So I'd still say there's still that level of leadership that has to come out from an attacking team. It's just in a different form to how we would have known it 12 months ago. Yeah, and I'll say, I think this is a, a the biggest reason why I am such a huge, like, hater of it is because i love defensive creativity yeah and you it so you can still technically have defensive creativity the only problem is is once you show it one time right you probably like make a strat your team will like dry run it you'll scrim it like through a week before you you try it out and then you try it on a team the second you try it on a team if it has any weak points, because like let's like I'm gonna be honest, if it's creative, it's probably weak. Somewhere. Well, let, let's use your because, SOC Rome as because a wonderful it's, example, right? Because every team has run that at some point now. Yeah, but like once you get creative and you do that, a team can kind of break it down, and then it's not good anymore. So now you're thinking to yourself, man, it took me two and a half hours to make that strat. Then it took us all week to practice it. And we ran it in one map and it worked. And then we ran that map back. And every time we lost it, because the team knew exactly what we were doing. And like, it wasn't good. Like say dining, for example, if it's like some creative vertical hold and like the team sees like how crazy and intricate it is up there, teams are, will ignore it. And they'll say, let's just come from living. Let's just come like down the Ivy hallway and let's just attack them horizontally. Just ignore the whole thing. It's like, okay, well this strat that it took us like forever to like, come up with and be creative about it's not good anymore like mm. so like de defense right now it is it is almost not worth it to not run a default it's like you ha you have a default and then you have like i was saying you have one default and you have one thing where it's 
it's good against what you're weak at. So like when you see like a team, like let's look AV for example, if you're not good when teams come from master side over and they're constantly peeking at your bus door, if you're not good against that, then you and you know a team likes doing that attack, then you'll just run that strat against them the whole time and you'll say, well, we'll just deal with whatever they do on the white stair side. Well, mm. I we'll have to figure it out on the fly. But like. Now, like, you can't, like, do some crazy setup. Like, there was a crazy setup that Nip did to us one time where they, like, reinforced. We loved going down below with Buck, and we would buck out, like, the whole archway. And then we'd go for a white stair take because, like, what they'd uh, like to do map, is they... sorry. Oh, sorry. This is on Villa. Right. We would go into, like, the library area, and the the vertical floor there is, like, the whole arch hallway. So... When when you would throw like all your flashes and nades to White Stair, they would run their guys out of there. They would just let you have it, but you'd lose all your utility. But they would keep all of their players. So they would use their lack like your lack of utility and their like the fact that they're still alive in their favor to be able to help win the round. But like if you bucked all that floor out, they couldn't run away and you would just kill them as they came down the arch hallway. So like then randomly against us, they played with all the gallery walls reinforced, muted, and they would play a vigil in there. We couldn't find him. Well, like, if you see that off the rip now, you can completely change all of your operators and go from the other side. It like, what, what's the point of running strats like that, you know? And it, it, like, it kills all of the chances for defenders to be creative, and it forces defenders to basically say, all right, let's just put up basically your rank-style default walls, but let's just run at them. All we got to do is we got to kill one or two of them, slow them down just a little bit, and then we can kind of come back and we'll play the 3v3 execute. Mm. Like, that's what the game is right now. And it generates more, I guess, of what viewers enjoy, which is gunfights, right? Because like you say, defenders that's have why to get see, out just there fun to watch. Kills. Exactly. If you're into the <laughs> yeah. gunfight side of things, but if you're into the strategy side of things, you're saying it's not as fun, right? Yeah, I just, I hate what it did to part of the game that I loved. That's like why I honestly don't like it. Because when people say it is fun to watch, it is. Like, if, if you watch us, it is uh, two two attacks back to back. And I know we're going to talk about attack or repick later. And this is like, we're kind of already talking about it now. <laughs> so like, th this is my Throw main. This why is, not? <laughs> this is my main problem with attack or repick. I'm going to say it. Like, so if you go look, anyone that's like here, you should go watch after I, I, I talk about this, our game against Liquid, and I know we did throw the border, but this is a perfect example of why attacker repick needs to be fixed immediately. And that's because it was Armory, and like anyone who knows Armory at a decent level, you know you have to play somewhat in CC. You can't give it for free. If you give it for free, you will just lose because they have too much ground too early. Right? So they need to play a guy in CC. To play a guy in CC, you need some sort of like help in 90. You have a guy on the arm in armory that's gonna help through like the soft wall. You can't reinforce that wall or your CC guys will die. Like that's already three guys committed, right? You need a guy in office so they can't do an east take fast. And you have a fifth guy that can literally do a handful of things. Like he can be downstairs to block customs, he can be top east stairs to stop like any sort of east control early. So the like, the, the strat's already kind of played out for you, right? Mm. Well, we see that they're armory. We know that you have to play armory like that. We pick a ying, uh, uh, a lion, and then you have, like, a gridlock, and then you have a planter, and then uh, basically all you do is you get on the sandwich window, 
you get an AC in like the, the east door, and you have two choices. And you throw all your gridlock smokes and your ying smokes and your ying cadellas, and then you throw your like smokes also to back archives with the gridlocks going off. Now the team hears all of this, and if you time it right, they think you're like doing a back archives rush. Right? So the first time that we do that, we throw candelas all over our armory as well, and we plant in the sandwich window. Well, they're, all their players that are offsite are now panicking and trying to get back. Well, it's too late. We've already planted and we win the round. 6-1. And, like, this is the ridiculous thing about, is, like, that's a planned fake, and, and it's not our idea, by the way. That All NA runs that strat, and I think Sonics did it first. So, joking, in the prep days, uh, I think it was hot and cold. He goes, what if we did the, the attack again? but we just planted in the other place. Like we planted back archives instead of planting sandwich. And like in the prep phase, we're like, nah, we can't do it again. And like, no, they're like, how will they know? Like they're going to bring a warden. I bet you. And they're like, yeah, you'll probably bring a warden, but he's going to be looking for sandwich. Cause we planted sandwich. They know that. Cause like they, they spotted it before the end. And we're like, oh, okay, we're like, go drive and see what they're doing. And they had a warden. We're like, we're doing it. Go, go. I was like, go, bar. like, they're like, go back archive side and we'll get the bomb down. So we throw all the same utility, all the candelas, and we plant it on the other side. But like, Brilliant. we only could do that because we could change literally every operator. You can't, like, we didn't, if you go look, we didn't start with those guys because we weren't sure what site they were going to be. Mm. But the only way that you can do that is because you can change all five members and like, as you're liquid, I'm telling you, how do you plan for that? Because if you're going to tell me, well, you need a pulse in like archives or sorry, in workshop and you need like to have like a two or three people like armory rate ready for them. Sure. You can have like a counter strat for that strat, but that counter strat for that strat makes your default ass. Like now you're getting CC for free because there's not like Wamai and Jaeger and Izami. Like you're getting East control extremely fast and then you're going to be able to get triple wall open. And like, then you have office, like to be able to defense against something like that, you need to have like an over commitment on the other side of the map. And like, then the attackers can see that and not do the rush. And then the other side of the map's free. So like, I, I don't know how you can tell me that an attacker repick is like, good for the game the way it is now if we're going to keep attacker repick i'm telling you it needs to immediately get moved down to two spots like you only can change two and i would love for it to be one <laughs> but like i understand that people love how you're like able to change the game right now and 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 if you go to one they'll be like oh it's just six pick all over again that's boring so i would say at least we need to change it to two because like the things that you can do right now, it's just way too much. Do you think maybe giving it up to the space of a year to so say after SI, for example, we turn around and say, okay, it's had its run. It does need to be reined in a little bit. Let's move it down to two spots. Would you be happy with that? I mean, I'm happy with whenever it gets changed. <laughs> You'd rather be right now. <laughs> I mean, tomorrow. I know I've played this game since open or closed beta. I know that anything that you want to be done right now doesn't get changed for at least six months. Yeah. So like, I know that like the things I'm saying right here, I, I do feel like they will be shared and, and heard. And I appreciate that. But I also know that nothing's going to be done immediately about it. And that's okay. But that's like why I do things like this is I want to like explain how I feel about it 
and like let it be heard because it needs to be changed. I thought it should have been changed like before it even. I was in like the initial talks for attacker repick, and I was saying these exact things I'm saying to you then, and I'm still saying them now because like it like look at like some of our attacks. Our attacks are ridiculous, and they're only ridiculous because of like what you're allowed to do. Like we did the same thing on Chalet to Dam One. We did like a rush onto dining, and then we did a fake rush onto dining where they all started spilling down below. So we took top control for free with two minutes thirty seconds. Like Crazy. it's a, it's like a joke. The things that you, everyone bans Ying on us because like the things that you can do with Ying with attacker repick, it's a joke. Mm. It's an actual joke. You're right there, Lycan. You yeah. feel like you're getting like a bit of therapy out here. Months and months of buildups all just pouring out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean i will say this and someone did say this too like i you i can say what i'm saying because like it is proven by what my team is doing mm. that that it it is ridiculous like yeah we've like not been able to qualify for majors but it's i will say mostly because of our defense yeah our our at one part at one point our our attack we were number one in attack and we were 10th in defense in nal so like, I think we, it was Octo we, Nanas who said this is say something for SSG to be one of the best attacking teams in NA yet like and isn't a fan of attacker repick. Yeah, and I think like that just proves like how big of a problem it is. Mm. If I, you know, like I could like easily sit here and and try to crutch on it, but like I have always, if you like have followed me for a long time, know that I love the game more than I I love like what I can do with the game. Because I do feel like, however it does change, I'll find ways to like try to make it work. But like, I've only stuck around for seven years because I absolutely love how this game plays. Mm. Strategy, it's, I mean, I know you like League 2, so I know this for oh, sure. I'm a big but fan like, of the strategy side of the game, only because I can't shoot Yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> shit fire. But like, but the, the fact that you have abilities... And you have like that strategy aspect, and it's a shooter. Like, there's no game like this. And like, I I'll play this as long as it lives. Yeah. But like, I always, and especially when I'm in those meetings, I always try to say what I think is best for the game and not best for my team. Mm. Because like, there's always ways for you to figure other things out. But like, at least from the aspect of attacker repick, which I do agree, it's fun. Like, it's. Some of the things that like teams do, it's like, wow, like we've never seen this in Siege before. I do think that a lot of those things will stay because now that we've kind of like dipped our foot into like getting away from, well, you need Ash, you need Sledge, you need two hard breaches. Honestly, Ash Sophia mess for people look back at it and go, that was great. I'm like, no, honestly, please don't show me any more Ash Sophia. I've had enough. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that was the safe pick, right? For uh -huh. for years is, well, these people can get it done no matter where they are. So, like, let's make sure we have these guys. And, and that's what made the we'll game kind of boring, though, there. right? It, yes. It, I will say, like, it was. But I also think that we were naive. I do think that if if people would have started playing the way that they're playing now back then... We could have gotten out of that without attacker repick, but I don't know how that would have happened because it just it was so easy to be safe all the time. Now that we know that you can not be safe and it still works, I think even if we came away from where we are, 
it'll still be good. Yeah, I feel that. It'll be interesting for sure. Well, we can go on about attack a repick all day long. I do want to ask you about one other thing as well. Nine Matt Paul, fan or hater? Yeah, I was a big, uh, I think, promoter of going to Nine. Um, there was some, like, things I didn't see uh, because of it. And, mm. and that's the fact that you only have so much time in the day. And... <laughs> Uh, you can't when, prep them all, right? <laughs> <laughs> when when uh, you want to be a team, like that was something that we were always known for with SSG is that we were one of the harder working teams. I would never say that we're the hardest because I'd feel like I knew some teams that would like put in more time. But at least like up into like running, like DZ, I think like always kind of like had, it was the meme that they were up at like, you know, early hours and like working all day. And like they had long work shifts, but like besides them, we had really long work shifts. But like you always were had enough time to play all of the maps. Now it's actually crazy because so let let's just walk through like a typical schedule. You you have two different game days, right? You well, for us it's it's Tuesday and Wednesdays. For you guys it's like Mondays and and Thursdays or something like that. And Okay, so you have those days, right? And, and and if you don't want to burn your players out, you need like a day off. So our days, so we go Tuesday, Wednesday matches, and then Thursday day off. Now from Friday to to like Sunday, you need to prep the matches for your two games, and you have nine map pool. Well, that, before that wasn't a problem. Now, like even if you're double scrimming, it's hard to say like you get actual good reps before the end of the 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 like the game works because like. You have scrims from we have scrims from noon until eight every day. We have an early block that's three six six and a late block that's three six six. You get to practice like six maps. But like if you're playing a team that doesn't have like a lot of bands, this goes into the fact that like I thought wolves it's a little ridiculous that they have four bands because like now with a nine map pool you can practice all the maps you need. But like say OXG right, we were saying they only have like ban uh, Oregon a lot. You have to practice everything just in mm. case, unless you know like what you're going to play them on. You're you're walking into that map match against OXG with only pra probably practicing against them on that map like three times with bands. So if you're not sure what the bands are at the beginning of the the week and you're like trying to test that like, well, let's say like, you know, someone's a Finca crutch. Like, let's, let's ban Finca once. Oh, that didn't feel good for us. We're, we kind of crutch on Finca on that map. Mm. We're not going to do that. Let's let's do Stu Thatcher. And then, you know, like you're trying to figure things out. Well, you only get three attempts at it. So it makes it a lot harder with nine maps to be able to go into the map always and say, we're like 100% ready for this. It's hard to be able to like experiment and come up with new ideas, right? So once someone sees something once in the stage, there is a, a fairly decent chance you are going to run that for the rest of the stage, right? Maybe yeah. with one or two small tweaks. Now, I will say with making it sound negative like that, I still like it. I, I want that to be clear. <laughs> but there were things that I did not see. Like when I was like, we got to go to nine. We got to go to nine. Now that we're at nine, I'm like, when am I going to sleep? When am I going to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Just hire like, your 19th back analyst. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but I, I do love the fact that we have nine maps. I think it's cool that we're um, able to throw in some new like getting sky in there and stuff like that mm. I, I always was like not exactly sure what i'd feel about sky when it went competitive because you know like anytime I love you stream, it. it's my favorite map to cast at the minute i love it so much 
I like it a lot, the way that mm. it plays. It, it plays so fast. Yeah. And it, it fits really well with, like, what's up, Forceful? It plays really well with, like, um, like, how the meta is right now. Like, you have to make sure, like, you get certain things done as a defender or you're in trouble. Yeah. And, like, and Sky plays really well into that because it's, like, exactly what it is. But, you know, they always, like, when, when a new map comes out and you're streaming, they're like, well, what do you think about Canal? Like, how's it going to be competitive? And you're like, I don't know, man. People are probably going to come up with some weird strat that works really well on, like, Coastline. But no one plays it unranked and, like, all of a sudden, like, it's, like, the best site. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it'll probably be good, I guess. But like Sky came in and like same thing, but like we started scrimming it and I was like, wow, like this is actually like a fun map to play. It's not boring. And like there is very like definite attacking strats on that as far mm -hmm. as like you can ISO that site and you can like, you know, full clear over into that site. Yeah. And I will say a lot of people play house and I, and I cannot for the life of me understand why. House. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Spa, uh, bat, like it's, it's the one with the master. I don't. We call it house. You completely lost me. It's the bottom floor, but not on the barbecue side. Oh, sorry. Um, bedroom, bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so spa. Uh, master. well, there's two bathrooms, right? So, like, usually we, so for SSG, well, a lot of teams, you call it like B one, B two. B3, like wherever the bathroom is. Yeah, I see. Well, Skyscraper is a weird map. It has two bathrooms on the first floor. And so when we're like B1, and then we're like, you know, running around the map, trying to figure out where all the callouts are. When we get to the other one, we're like, okay, B1. Got we're it. Like, wait, we already called it B1. <laughs> like, what do we call this one? And so we call that one Spa. Got it. Makes sense. Because it's like a bigger one. It's got like a shower and a bath, and I don't know. Yeah, I see what you mean. I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. As a question towards you then, because your, your map pool generally is pretty healthy. Like, I think Oregon, I've got down in my stats at least, as being your least preferred map, but even then, it's not like utterly detested. What maps would you change out? If you could change it, say you had to take, choose one or choose two. Say you get the ear of the UB dev team and they say, Lycan, we're giving you full reign to make whatever change to the map pool you want. What changes would you do? Mm. Well, I, I also will say that I think. At least historically, I haven't just picked the map that we are not good at. I don't like doing that. Like, I mean, it is probably the best for survival case. But like, once again, like I want the game to to succeed as well. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'd change out Oregon. There is a good argument I'd say for Oregon, just because the way that that map plays out is super boring compared to like how some of the other maps play. Like even in the meta, like there's so many hard walls that it's really hard to like just swing things on that map compared to like other maps where you can play like with an impact or a soft wall and like, you know, do a bunch of other stuff. Oregon, like, well, you don't want them to do their tower or their, their back ISO. I guess I'll play in T3. Like that's like the only option you really have. And and so like, I, I think that, yeah, if it wasn't Oregon, Bank is okay. Border, I think, just got in and is fine. Um, you like you like border. I yeah. I think I like in border. European, it's got its own dedicated hate club. People just cannot stand that map. Yeah, I think that one it falls under the the term of it didn't change enough to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, where it's funny because the people who say that, um. 
you could easily go look at the teams that they played on during the time of border, and you could see that they maybe once through their whole like time playing border, and that was in from the very beginning, mm. played tellers, right? There was like no one that played tellers. And now everyone plays tellers and you have to play it well. And it's like one of your main sites in the rotation. So I laugh at those people. Like, how, how can you tell me borders the exact same when you never played tellers before and now you spam that site and you hope to God you yeah. win it? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's different. And I, but I do see what they're saying. Like, it, there is like, there is ways where it's still the same. A lot of ways. Mm. Um, I was, people did play customs a lot more, I'd say, than they play it now as well. So there is differences. Um, and I, I would agree with like what Troy said new organs more boring than old. Except for maybe the basement. The basement like was like really boring with like make sure your smoke hits the weird diagonal throw to the laundry <laughs> bin. Uh, oh, I remember all the laundry, th- yeah. Yeah. But like other than that, like I think that old Oregon was better than new. Um uh, let's see. Uh Cafe is good, Villa is good. Cafe yeah, just I mean, feels kind of or- timeless at this point. Just seems to survive every possible change to the meta or anything that it always just kind of stays. I'm not going to say highly popular, but it's always like a mid-tier pick for a lot of teams. Yeah, and it's like one of those maps that I think is really kind of tricky. And there's, I will say, you either love or hate Cafe, I think, more than most maps. Yeah. You'll notice that, like, if you go look at this Excel spreadsheet, it's like there's so many teams that just ban Cafe. Two from A, two from B, one from C. Okay, none from D, so D might we might get some cool Cafe games. But, like um there's two ways like that teams really play it they play either a very passive or very aggressive and the teams that play aggressive like say into like piano and they like just stop you from getting in the building they force you to get on repels Mm. like or like they play back and they like they want you to like kind of like do a lot more work like inside the map there's every time that cafes played it it like plays very differently but i will say it's fun as someone who understands the strategy of the map to watch people play cafe. But I do think that like most people that are just like casually watching the game, that's probably one of the most boring maps to watch <laughs> because, because if someone's like got an intricate setup into piano, it takes so long as an attacking team to work your way and pick through that and to get into that part of the bomb site. And it really feels like the old, like two, three years ago siege where it's mm. like nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Oh, they're on the site and they're attacking. Yeah, I like, like how you know? it demands team play, which is what I really enjoy about Cafe, right? Like it's hard to be the solo hero player on that map because when was the last time you saw someone solo drop top red and run through Cigar into Piano, for example, and kill everyone? It just doesn't happen. Yeah, and it's like I think one of the maps that it's hard to play like this new meta where, I mean, sure, you can like Amru into like the, I, I think you call it Heaven Window yeah, or something like that. And then, or, or, you know, you can still make crazy plays like, you know, dropping, dropping new Belk and like knocking a crossbar, like through all their vision and, and killing their like cocktail player or, or their freezer player or something like that. So there's still like, kind of like weird plays or if like your phase, you just walk all the way up white stairs and kill three people. And then all of a sudden you have the bomb site. So there are like still sometimes where you'll see like teams do those newer type attacks, but cafe I think is like more of a fortress in a way that it's hard to do that consistently you'll see like more like old style takes on that map versus like old style takes on any other map in the map pool makes sense 
Let's talk about operators for a minute as well, because obviously we had operator quarantine removed. was first leaked on my stream about three months before it actually happened. Whoops. Oh, Didn't congrats. get told off for it, which is also fantastic. <laughs> That's what I count as a win. But obviously we've got two new operators in now that came at the same time. We've got Sens and we've got Azami. Let's start on the first one first, because I think Azami, we've got far more to unravel. General yeah. in EU that we're hearing about Sens, not all that effective, just far too many counters. What's your take on it? Yeah, and at least... And I think I've stuck with my same opinion like before she was released and I saw it and then when it was released then I we got to play with it and that's like it doesn't feel like she does anything better than any other op mm. like her her like spot is so weird because she like really is good for like your whole idea is with her is basically an ISO like you're gonna get what map control you need and then you're going to throw those across to block the vision from the people holding long angles. You're going to get into a safe spot and plant, then back up and like deal with the post plant. But like, okay, sure. But there's already ops in the game that do that pretty well. Ying, Osa, Glass, like. Smokes in she general. Yeah. She like. And her gun, in my opinion, I don't like it at all. Everyone's like, everyone know, was saying how ass a gun is to use. They all think it's horrible. It is. It's it's weird to explain. The only way I can explain it is erratic. It feels like you like the gun controls you. You don't control the gun. <laughs> and there's not very many guns in the game like that. And so, like, she just doesn't seem like she's like strong enough to pick. Mm. Like it. To me, it's like, I'd rather pick Fuse than pick her. Unless you've got a real cheese strat that you want to try and run them in, right? And that's about it. Well, yeah, it's fun to see some of these strats where people, like, throw them through the double drone hole on Chalet from, like, the West Main window. It's beautiful, you know, like, right? Yeah. Like, that that kind of stuff is cool. But, like, okay, you did it one time. You think you're going to get a, be able to do it again? Exactly. And they're not going to be ready for it? Like, what, what, what beats that? Oh, well, I'm just going to put a mute jammer like in in the drone hole and then when it when it's rolling it's going to bump into the jammer and it's not going to keep rolling and then your whole strat shot yeah very true very like, true well okay uh, and so, what, yeah. what about azami because she was going to be very transformational and to be fair her pick ban rate in eu is pretty damn decent yeah everywhere in the world too azami mm. is i think uh probably one of the coolest things to happen as far as an operator for a siege in in quite some time I know a lot of people think she's too OP, and I think there is good arguments for her to be that because of the way that like the meta is rolling and the fact that like say a team's running an ISO on you and you can throw two or three of these things to block the vision of like the flank watcher and you can get like past him and be able to stop their ISO attack. Or the fact that like you can play in CC and they're trying to get all these angles from the windows and the doors and you can block all of those off and force them to like jump in the window, walk through the door. Like there's so many different ways that you can play her. Like you can play her aggressive or you can play her passive that like she's so versatile. It doesn't make sense not to bring her. Yeah. All the time. And in uh, her gun. Her gun is, like, one of the best guns in the game that has never had a chance to, like, shine on the not international gonna lie, stage. Not going to I've not actually played her. Is it the spear she's got? No, she's got Capcan's gun. Oh, the same as Capcan, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, Capcan forever was, like, just this giant risk that no one wanted to play. Mm. But they'd always be like, but his gun's good. 
<laughs> and like now it's like Azami is what Capcan always should have been. A good a good utility with that gun. And she's insane. Like everyone loves her. Everyone spams her. And for the right reasons. I mean she's she's insane. Now does she need a a nerf? I would say probably just yes because of her play right play rate. But like I love what she can do. It's it's very fun to watch. And it gives like an agency to defenders in a meta where, as you say, the attackers kind yes. of lose, right? That's why you like it, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> Never seen you more passionate <laughs> about it. And what about other operators in the game as well? Like, what, what have you felt about the balance in stage two where certain operators have gone? I know, for example, Iana kind of fell down in priority a little bit as Finca really, truly well and took over. Like, what else are you seeing? Um, yeah, like, so we had like a big rise and obviously Finca through, through last year. Um, and it really kind of like took the spot of Zofia. And uh, I mean, obviously, too, I'd even say Ash is like pretty much completely gone unless you're flexing her, which a lot of the times doesn't make sense because it makes more sense to flex with like Twitch or Jackal and other stuff like that. Or if you're going to ISO like Osa, Ying, Glass, stuff like that. So like the the mainstays for years like finally kind of like people are like i'm so sick of ash so sick of Sophia being able to stand up i really wish there was an operator that could just like juice her whole team and have them all stand up at one time like yeah so Sophia like leaves and uh ash leaves and i think uh it's really cool for for the fact that like we see like all of this knock play all of the amaru play like the fast like the facts, fast entrances into the building, like that kind of stuff is cool. And I think like, I really hope like that kind of stuff stays in the game because that's the stuff that's really exciting. I think for a fan to watch is not just like the, the, the gameplay and the gunplay can only be exciting for so long. It's like the creativity that a team's bringing that you can see like, okay, this team really prepared and they're like really ready to play this match. You can really see that when they're picking stuff that you've like never seen before. Like mm. I know I, I keep bringing up League and like this is a siege thing, but like the first time I remember seeing like like a MF Ash bot lane at Worlds, I was like, what am I about to watch? You know, like this is gonna be crazy. And then like that kind of stuff like has to happen like in our game for it to like have like a long stay. Like being able to see like oh like they have a knock like. You know immediately when they have a knock, the spectators gonna be on that person like a oh hawk. hell yeah constantly hell you gotta yeah keep flipping literally to whenever I speak to Easy and Medics we're exactly the same. If there's ever like a big operator that's picked it around, it's like right focus on that for like seventy five percent of this round. And it's the same reason like you guys see it a lot in NA two. I'm pretty sure. I think Dark Zero draw bans on it. Uh, her on when you're playing on bank through basin all the time. Ah. Uh, I think Teens got hit like twice on the flank late round by a nut coming in through garage on basement. And then she started getting banned every time you go towards something like bank. It's crazy. It's great fun though. Yeah, it is. And like that kind of stuff, I think brings way more excitement. Like anytime I, ha I also have this conversation about the fact that I really wish there was more top down, like oh, spectating yeah. in the game. And everyone's like, no, I want to watch the kills. And I'm like, mm. I, I, I get that. But like, more than kills, I want to see a team do something that I don't expect. Yeah. Like, I want to see, like, I don't want to just say, oh, it's Bank CEO. Let's all go S2. Somebody get on the window. Let's, op like, get stock control. Let's open up the S2 wall. Let's crouch our guy behind the CEO desk and plant. Like, sure, that can be fun. And, and watching it executed perfectly 
afterwards i always like will say out loud great round like solid round you know like that was fun to watch mm. but like more than that if i you know you all of a sudden out of nowhere you get like yings coming in from the windows someone's dropping down the main skylight onto the people that are in the hallway they're amarooing into ceo and like planting as fast as they can you see stuff like that how can you not get excited like you're screaming you're like that was sick. Like, do it again. It's, it's what you I know? love about us. We've had both of our observers in um, Easy and in Medics are both very good at this, I think. When it comes around to an executor, they just know you are not going to see everything on one person's POV. They just say, look, I'd rather sacrifice the closing gunfights here and let everyone see the plays that are about to happen. And we had it in one of the last games. I forget which game it was, but it was on Club. And the number of times you'd just see... In fact, it was a Wolves game. And you'd just see like Mowgli burst in through gym window on something like Yana. Someone would come in through breach. They'd be moving through construction. And rather than trying to just catch one and guess which of those three players would get the kills, they just go top down and let you see what's about to unravel. And like you, I sit there and I'm just clapping afterwards like, yes, boys, that's what you want to see. Because yeah. then you really get the appreciation for that strategical side of siege and the strength in coordinated aggression, right? Yeah, and I, I after those rounds, that's always when you'll see me like tweet it. I'm like, man, I really wish because I remember there was one, there was one round like that. It was on Villa where it was like a split take from Study Overside for Trophy Statue Bomb Site, and the team had like come across and like they were starting to kind of take like over on the master side as well. And I don't know what prompt him, but like he moves into like the eagle eye view, and then you can see the team hit through, I call it pig, I don't, boar, whatever the people call it, I don't, to, towards, you know, deer, and then they're also walking through couch into statue, and, like, you can see it all happening, the guy jumping in bathroom, and, like, you can see all of them literally surrounding the site during an execute, and, like, great, all of the gunfights that are happening, I'm like, oh, that was sick! I was like, why can't we do that? And then, like, they basically reply back, well, I was told not to do that all the time. Yes. I'm like, man. I'm like, man, it's like, it's so fun to watch. And I'm like, oh, I just, I eat it up. It is trying to get that healthy balance. Remember for a time we had a lot of top down and people were saying, man, I wish we saw more gunfights, right? And I feel yeah, we, we, no, we struck a healthy balance at the very least now. But if you do want to see more top down, all you've got to do is find a round that you're really happy with, clip it, put it on the timeline, tag in easy or medics if it's observing it, and they will do it more for you. I guarantee. Oh. Just a handy little tip. Not at all I'm trying to get the more that. social impressions, but by all means, <laughs> you'll probably find the love Because, like, <laughs> I'm not at all trying to say they disobey Ubisoft, but a few times they've been told do more first person. They do it for one round, then go back to how they did it before. Because they know it's yeah. what the casters enjoy, and it is what the observers and uh, the viewers enjoy as well. And getting that healthy balance of the two is really, really valuable. Yeah, I, I will say, like, uh, so in December for the SI Quals, like, CCS was doing, like, part of it or whatever. And I, I did casting for that. And it was the first time I ever really casted anything serious. Before that, I'd only casted like a caster show match. And literally before we started, they said, just make fun of them the whole time. <laughs> so like I didn't I didn't even get to do what like, I would like to be serious, you know. But like I just had to make fun of like Intero the whole time. And, he, and like and that, that was fun too. But like <laughs> see, this that, that experience with CCS and like doing that, like there's sometimes when the... You think you see something coming, but like you can tell the spectator, he thinks he sees something else coming because he's watching something that you, you, you're like, no, go back and look at this other guy. I swear something's about to happen. Yeah. And so you're trying to like, you're trying to like guess about what you're thinking while you're trying to still like, you know, obviously see what the viewers can see in front of them. Mm. And, and, that that's like a difficult skill, honestly, and and so like Try, reading it, reading the game like they do through overlays honestly terrifies me. Like 
It's, yeah. it's so easy to get observing wrong, but they tend to get it right so often. It's kind of a fun thing we get at majors and events, to be fair. And they've already asked us for like this event coming up. You know, how do you want the screen orientation to work? Because when we cast, we have three monitors and the middle one shows you what they call program. It's what's going out to the broadcast so we can see when we're on camera, what graphics are up. Then with me and Ace, at least, I stand on the right-hand side and I always say, can I have the top down on the right-hand screen? And we'll have observer POV, the normal one going out on broadcast on the left. Because that way, if Tim's doing, for example, the close of around the last 30 seconds, which is more often than not that he will, I can be watching the top down of the whole execute and go, yeah, you guys saw this happen, but what you didn't appreciate was that player over there. This one really oh, got damn cool. cool that you can never appreciate. You've got to appreciate <laughs> this man more. It's brilliant. I absolutely love being able to see it. And I really hope yeah. one day we get that ability to be able to you know, flip it around and have some controls potentially where viewers can jump between a top down or a first person one. It'd be amazing to get that at an event. Yeah. I know like uh, I keep saying this over and over because I, I watch a ton of league, but like, their worlds like you now have like options where you're watching like the broadcast channel or you can like watch Elaine, like, your right? favorite yeah favorite pro and like and you even get his cursor and everything and like it's That's showing massive. where he's clicking where he's looking like something like that i know would take a lot of work but it would be really cool if you're like a young aspiring like uh like hard breach or something and you i know like you know you want to watch bosco or or like you're like you're like a huge fan of Spoit and you don't really care about Rogue. But like you really love Spoit. Like you could literally just watch only him, you know? And like stuff like that, like I think it would it would it would like help the viewership a little bit because mm. there it gives you like a reason to watch. Like a lot of the times, like I would even say this. I have so many people that tell me all the time that they were huge Nade fans, like when Nade was on the team. But I'm telling you, Nade was one person that the spectators never viewed. Mm. And I know why, because we were heavily structured. He was flank watch, right? He was flank watch. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I, I, I almost, in practice, I would joke about it all the time. But the fact, like, if Nade did anything good in the round, I didn't see it because I never watched him. Because, <laughs> which, which is not really true. But, like, I would joke about it because, like, he would be sitting on four cams and he would be like watching all these flank. it's extremely boring to watch but like if you're an aspiring flank watch and nades your favorite player that would that would hold huge value to you to say like okay how is he holding this hall like i sure i could put a drone in the corner but like when they come up the hallway look down the corner they see that drone they shoot it i don't have another drone for that like where where should i put that drone like what makes the most sense for that one and like different things like that that you could pick up from these players it would be like I so much more valuable, I think, than just like what we have now. And I know like it would be extremely difficult, but stuff like that, like I always think would be really cool for for the people who never like Nade. Nade could get like 16 kills in a game and you would only see like three of them. Yeah, I'm telling you. Absolutely. Well, he's doing his job, right? Oftentimes, if you're doing your job right, then you aren't getting the kills. You sat there watching a drone. You're deterring people. That's your job. True. Mm. Yeah. As we come towards the end of this thing, because we've been going for about just over two hours now as well, what is your one, except for attacker repick, what is your one big desire for Siege in the next 12 months? Mm. I would like to see some sort of um, assistance given to the to the defense. And I, I guess like, yeah, and it would all come along the same way. You could say like that's attacker repick too, but like I think their their ability to fight has been basically altered into one thing if you are not like getting aggressive early 
you don't have really like a play style and you can see that in like our success and i'd say like tsm success for years ssg like we mastered a play style back like when we had troy and maybe even kind of before we had troy but troy helped us like really kind of fine tune it and that was like you start up kind of like aggressive you shoot drones you fall back new drones come at you you shoot those you fall back yeah you know and you you constantly like the the attackers had to fight for all the map control that they were getting throughout the way and they would try to find a way to pick you without you like falling off and hiding well now the way that siege is and the way that they've changed how utility is who's allowed to have shields like all of these different things it's a it's basically made it that like if you stall a round out for two minutes 30 seconds there's only 30 seconds left on the clock they have no drones if they all hit the site together and throw like what they have left and they hit strong with like their crazy guns that they have they'll still win yeah like and it's like it to me to me we with all the changes that we did we literally killed a way to play the game and I think that's probably most heartbreaking, obviously, for me, because I helped, like, kind of create that, like, you know, it started with Mute Mozzie, me- like, the Mute Mozzie meta, like, that kind of stuff. Like, th- those kind of ways of playing strategic to- w- as a team, but, like, falling back to all five of your members and then holding off your fortress against the attackers. Like, I, that that's, like, what I dreamed of. Like, that's, like, what we came up with. It doesn't work anymore. And it that to me like it sucks and like yeah it doesn't always have to be the way that I want to play the game and I I know that I'm not the only one that plays but like it I think it's just like upsetting to me that like they took a way to play the game and they removed it and I, I know they didn't do it on purpose but like it should be like you can play this game aggressive you can play this game passive you can find a, a hybrid in the middle like it should we're playing a tactical shooter but right now it doesn't feel like siege is tactical yeah. like to me to me personally it feels like we're playing like of an organized version of call of duty with all the pre-firing with all the like running and gunning with like the lack of like needing to really coordinate hard like it doesn't feel like what siege was when in in like t- say 2020 i'd even say it's hard to call like before like when covid happened it got really weird cuz there was like no international events yeah the meta the meta just kind of turned into like random regional things mm. not everyone was playing the same game but like it it like basically turned into a, like a, a weird thing where like people people didn't have to like really coordinate as well outside of practice once you kind of figured out what worked then you could just like be aggressive and and like that would be more preferred than like actually like playing together as as a whole unit and i know like and i already see it not too tactical i get (laughs) that yeah (laughs) i know i know that like i get that and and i'm willing to find some sort of compromise but i'm telling you right now like as i make these complaints and everyone's like against it because siege is fun like, I'm telling you, we are not in a middle ground area right now. We are far on one side. Mm. And I'm just like, I really wish that we could knock the, like, slider back just a little bit. And, like, if a team was able to, like, kill all 10 of your drones, install all of your time, they should have more of a chance in the round than they do right now. Mm. Now I feel that. 
it's one thing I say to my team an awful lot at work is sometimes you have to swing hard one way to then find out what the mid-ground is that you should be aiming for. So hopefully yeah. we do see that in the next six to 12 months is, okay, this is real fun. Let's keep the essence of what makes it fun, but find a way to reward the defenders for good defensive play, right? Yeah, because right now, like, it really does feel like, and I was saying this earlier about, like, that DZ Astralis game. Like, DZ is still very structured, I would say, on attack, but, like, mm. the way that they play on defense, like, if you look at games they play now versus, like, games they played back, like, when they first, I'd even say before they got Troy, like, when they were with, like, uh, Hot and Cold in, in Skies, like, they were structured on both sides. They've realized and they've done well to, like, basically be aggressive and, like, get in your face. And that's something that, like, SSG as a team, we're still struggling with, trying to figure out, like, okay, so when do we do it? Do we do it now? Do we not do it now? Like, for years we played one playstyle, and that playstyle doesn't work anymore. And, like, we are, like, actively every day trying to figure out how to get better at the like this new way to play the game it's just like i i picked up the players that we picked up because they could play that style that mm. like i wanted to play you know and now that style is gone so like we're as a group trying to like come up with ways that we can play it and it not just feel extremely uncomfortable yeah because that for a while that's what it was it was like well guys we got to get more aggressive okay I'll just run at him. And then you'd see a guy die and you're like, don't do it that way. You know, like, you know, like, like help, help, like ask for help, like do it with somebody else. Like it just like, it kind of, we haven't found our spot on it, which is why we're like struggling obviously to like win all the time. But like, I do feel like once we kind of figure it out, you know, it, I mean, we have a tackle figured out, so hopefully yeah. it all comes together. So Bit of fingers crossed for you and the boys. Absolutely. The one thing I will say is I do always enjoy a game that changes. Like you play League of Legends, you know, how much Riot seemed to gut that game every single year in some way, shape, or form, or add some broken item that completely changes the game. It does keep things fresh. If we were still playing the same game from, like, yeah. year three, we'd all be bored by now playing exactly the same uh, stuff, right? Everyone does get sick and tired of metas. So, however, like you say, it's about trying to find that balance somewhere in the middle before the next inevitable change comes in that completely transforms it all over again, right? Yeah. It should be real good fun. But like, and we'll wrap it up here, man. It's been like two hours, 20 minutes. Like, it's late for me. I've got to go to the supermarket before it closes yet. So I've got to charge around there. But as always, before any big event, man, it's always an absolute pleasure having a conversation. Might not agree with all your thoughts, but I think it's always really interesting to get your take on them as well. And look forward to doing it again for the next one. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's cool to like allow basically everyone to kind of like see the conversation we have on the mm. phone. You know? That, that, so that is very true. Cool. Yeah, because normally it is more tucked away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah pretty cool it's really good stuff well with that done guys we will wrap up here as well so that's been our first return ep of siege in 60 i'll be back again after the major i can't imagine i'll squeeze one in now before the major actually kicks off but i am trying to get a couple of uh interesting characters lined up for once we get back no doubt with a few spicy things to say about the major and potential futures of some things inside the scene itself but for now hope you've all enjoyed watching have a wonderful evening and i will catch up with you all again very very soon <laughs>